CJ here to ask you to go to spacebearmedia.com right now to access all our content, buy yourself some merch, and most importantly, send us a message, a question, fan mail, even hate mail. We'll respond on YouTube. Also, please remember to rate and review the podcast on your favorite app or share it with someone you know who loves Lost. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's Lost in My 40s, Season 5, Episode 8. It's called LaFleur. It's a Sawyer episode, and it's a Dave episode. But first, how's Hello. everybody doing? Awesome. This is when you say hi. <laughs> Welcome back, Dave. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. As always, what is up, Lost in My 40s fans? <laughs> We are excited <laughs> to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 don't, we don't address the fans here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do sometimes. <laughs> All, All three right. of them are like, yeah, we're okay. Oh, <laughs> stop it. That's not true, actually. I was just looking at our, um, at our downloads uh, about a week ago, and we had, I think it was like uh, 36 new people that downloaded episode one of season oh. one, so... People are still finding it all cool. the time. So we tripled our listening audience. Oh, you nice. guys are such jerks. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> no, we're coming close. We're like over, well over 15,000 downloads total at this point. I think we're like approaching 20. What? I'm very excited. Anyways. Wouldn't it suck if you got like tens of thousands of listeners like right, right before the end of the show and then advertisers got interested? And <laughs> we're about to. Again, you would, you would have to find some way to keep it going. You know like, what? Well, now um, we can make money off this. That yeah, actually like, happened. Hey, let's do heroes. No. No, that actually happened with Mowage after it was all done. I had a couple of people email us uh, and I was like, yeah, no, it's done. It's over. Like it was halfway through, but we had already recorded it and it was like, getting ready to come out. I'm like, no, I'm not going back and like sticking advertising it. Like it's done. It's over. But yeah. Whatever. I said also, we were kind of at a more drama free point in our marriage right now. And I'd much prefer that to having advertising on our show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is as good a time as any to mention that today's episode of lost my forties is brought to you by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. We can bleep that because that's that's technically free advertising. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to employ your listeners. Don't use Squarespace. Fuck Squarespace. Really? I, that's what our website is Squarespace. But you know how we used it because oh, I, okay. well, I because I got a discount from the Pod Save America guys who were doing that, <laughs> so I got it from a mm-hmm. podcast. Oh, it's too funny. Yeah. All right. Anyways, Ben, could you yep. review? What our power rankings were um, after episode seven. Dave hasn't heard these, so you are welcome to give all of the names of the ones in the bottom, not the one I've been embarrassed and trying to hide. Dave, are you ready for? <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be ready, but go for it. <laughs> and you, you should probably all say right. their name. Say their name like you're Irish, so he understands. 
right. <laughs> mm, I'm not going to do that. I'll pull an Irish accent, but not with Dave on the line. No, I didn't mean the accent. I meant number three in the bottom. He's he taught us how to say it. Remember, it's Aaron, not Aaron. Oh, uh, number three in the bottom is Aaron with negative <laughs> yeah. twenty three points. How do you get there? Aaron's been in our bottom for weeks now, Dave, and I killed him. And it's we can't get him out of the bottom, and it, and I keep having to post okay. it on Facebook. Fuck that, that whiny kid, little baby's face. <laughs> we did speak about this um, before we went on air, where I spoke about how my kill today is controversial, and you guys yep. were like, "Oh, that's that's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> we kill we kill babies on this podcast all yeah. the time, all the time. Yeah, uh, apparently standard we do. operating procedure." What, what's the beef with Aaron? Is it just because he's a baby and, and he's loud and crying? Yeah. Because he's he a whiny bitch, up. yeah. He just whines. Okay. I, he's just, I want to go with him, mommy. I'm not your mommy. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I especially didn't like like toddler Aaron. Yeah. Mm. Like infant Aaron was fine, but but I don't know. How, however old he is, three, four, I didn't <laughs> care just, for him. You know, I, he's, he's one of those kids that as he got older, he just, he, uh, you know, in the acting world, he just got kind of a big head, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a diva now. <laughs> no, he had a huge head when he was a he baby. Went, he, At least one of those babies did. It actually was a turnip poor Claire. shaped head. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. What were you we saying? Push that out. Yeah. I hear the actor was a nightmare to work with as well. Like, exactly. Was trailer until he got his titty. All this. <laughs> yeah. <time>. yeah. <laughs> that might have been any of the actors right. on there. <laughs> <laughs> Second, right, I'm for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. A- he's a total poonhound. <laughs> A A R on is in uh, the bottom with what? What is it? Negative twenty three points. Is that right? Negative twenty three points. Yeah. All right. You Second, think that there's ever been someone? Sorry, there's ever been someone named Aaron who was a recovering alcoholic, and then all his friends started calling him A A Ron. Exactly. I hope so. Got to happen, right? It's just sitting there. Yeah. Please continue. Second from the bottom, Frogert. Yeah. Still sitting there. He's still there, just because he was bitching about. Fire. We all got mad and killed him that yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. Just sitting there like a bitch. turd on the sidewalk. Like I can't I can't uh, put a face to the name. Obviously I remember the character name Froger, but it's it's not coming to be right now. Anyway. Yeah, he got yeah, goofy looking guy. Uh, when, when there was a, when there was for some reason there was an assault on the beach with a bunch of flaming arrows, and he was like, "We oh, can't even make yeah, fire." And then yeah. he takes yeah, one remember? in the chest. <laughs> takes the yeah. arrow to yeah. the chest. Was a, yeah, that's Froger. It Poetic. was a stupid but gratifying kill. Um, <laughs> And then at the at the bottom, we still have Charles Widmore with negative thirty one points. Hmm. Uh huh. And that's that's Charles. That's mostly Charles Widmore of the past. The one episode in the in the present, um, we actually weren't mad at him this season. Right. That's, that's a, true. That's he a actually, young he actually Charles Widmore. Back a point. Yeah. And in the top, not nearly so much to to raz on here, but uh, third no. place we've got Sawyer with thirty seven points. Second place. Jeremy Bentham with 49 points. <laughs> and in first place, we've got uh, somebody who's, uh, uh, he's, been, he's been at the top all, all season. Uh, it's, it's, it's Dan. Dan, Dan Faraday. Dan Faraday. 53 yeah. points. Dan Faraday has uh-huh. been at the top uh, for this entire season thus far. Yep. But today is Sawyer's episode, <laughs> so I got some feelings he might be rallying. Shall we find out? Dave? Spoiler alert. <laughs> Take us through Luffler. Let's get into it. So uh, 
when, when you send me the uh, the little you know um, synopsis for this episode, I, I add mm-hmm. my, I add my little edits in red. Mm-hmm. And I literally have one before this whole thing even starts because I wanted to comment. I don't know if you <laughs> guys noticed. I wanted to comment on the previously on Lost today. Oh, okay. For this episode. I don't know if you guys see it. Like, I know it's not on every platform or every, t- but it, we it, see it especially on Hulu. as someone who hasn't, yeah, especially as someone who hasn't been watching it lately. This one was just particularly funny to me because it just opens with Sawyer slapping Faraday. Yeah. And then cuts to Faraday. <laughs> Cuts to Faraday explaining something, and it doesn't really give much more context than that. Like I can fill in the blanks, and I remember, but it's just so funny that it's like slap. I think we're jumping through time. <laughs> Why did you add the slap in the previously on love? It's so just like beat yeah, down that's really funny. The Without the words before it, yeah, just the yeah, slap. Yeah, it was. Very- so it made me laugh out loud, like immediately. Yeah, so I just thought I would give funny. that a little honorable mention. It almost made it into my best moments, except I just thought it would be shitty to have. Obviously, I lost my best moment for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh that's like having having the fifteen second commercial in in the middle of the episode is your favorite yeah. moment. Do <laughs> 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 you guys see that Squarespace. shit? That Amazon Prime is doing that now. They put commercials in their fucking shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They want three more yeah. dollars a month. Yeah. Unreal. Anyway, monetize before, that shit. Before we freak out about right. capitalism, we should talk about that. Thanks a lot, Amazon. Can you imagine working for that company? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> I said before we go on about capitalism, we should do an episode. <laughs> yeah, right, here Dave. we are. All right. Okay, so we open in 1867, or possibly earlier, mm-hmm. on the island. The episode opens in a scene from episode five, This Place is Death. The time travelers had just jumped, and Locke fell down the well. Sawyer is left holding the rope that now disappears into the ground. Again, Miles says, I think he can let go of that now. And again, <laughs> Sawyer attempts to dig Locke out of the ground with his bare hands. He's losing it, begging everyone to help him. And Juliet kneels down and whispers, James, stop. You notice the way, you notice the way she handles him so well? And like, obviously, this has been building up over a few episodes and we haven't mm. talked about. I think I mentioned like Juliet had a love story, you know, in season 5, but I don't want to ruin it for Derek. But like in the in the episodes leading up to this, you see like their interactions are getting sweet and 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 I think we even had a conversation about the way yeah. she handles him and calms him down yeah, and we like did. yeah, and like this this moment really shows that like how she's such a good balance for him the yeah. kind of you know the, the wild him, all right well, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the like wild flame yeah and it is fantastic writing because right because because I, I feel like before this season you never would have seen them as a match no. and yet like Ew. i know yeah. we're jumping ahead a little bit but they do make it feel so natural and like yeah. a good fit and the, right. the actors have really good chemistry as well that's what i think it's like just all chemistry between those two and this is the thing i guess i'll ask I mean, the Derek, writing is good you- as well but yeah, Derek, did you see this coming in the episodes that were were like building their relationship very slowly? Did you did it even cross your mind? Oh, they're going to really, be a couple. No. Yeah, see, it it didn't mine either when I originally watched it, and I going back and watching it again, and now watching it with you guys, you can see all of the little pieces in in like the the episodes leading up to this one where they have these sweet interactions. Like, we notice those, but you just don't see this coming. And I think, like, it's just so beautiful now when you watch it in hindsight, just the way she's, James, stop. And, like, he listens to her. For some reason, he Mm -hmm. accepts her. Um, 
in a way that like he doesn't with Kate. You know what I mean? Like the thing with Kate is like yeah. those two, those two are so alike that, and he brings this up later. Like we never would have worked. I think that he's correct because the two of them, I think their negative traits are the same. And so they can drag each other like down emotionally. Whereas with Juliet yeah. and Sawyer, they're such a beautiful balance that, um, I think that's why it works. And just hear the way she's so sweet with him. I'm like, oh, they're going to get together. <laughs> yeah, they kind of share positive traits as well. Because Juliet, like, I had kind of forgotten this from my previous watch-throughs, but she has, like, a very cynical, sarcastic sense of humor. And oh, has, like, yeah. a lot of zingers. In yeah, she does. I mean? yeah. So, like, her, her and Sawyer are quite matched in that way. She's also a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's hot. Yeah, she's straight she's straight up she's straight up lethal. I mean, when she decides yeah. she's going to kill somebody, she's just like one shot done. Yeah, that, that is you know. true. But no nonsense. That's that, that's um, handy to have around on an environment like this. But yeah, I agree with you, Dave. Like her sense of humor, it's so dry because something about Juliet, mm-hmm. she like very rarely raises her voice above the very you know the kind of silky smooth Juliet. So yeah. when she delivers a zinger. It's easy to miss them, I think, because you just she mm-hmm. just sounds like she's not being sarcastic when she is. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Agreed. Now, now with Sawyer, Sawyer holding this rope, I'm going to go back to the actual scene here. Uh huh. He's holding this rope, and then all of a sudden, it, there's just Earth holding it there. Don't mm-hmm. you think you're going to notice the difference in, in, in your body weight being applied against this rope, holding a probably what 180 pound man versus it just being buried in the earth? Yeah, it's probably be hot, right? Although, yeah. yeah. Well, he just I, came out of a flash too, so you don't know. Oh, well, he could be disoriented. Well, disoriented, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, why, doesn't also ro- like, why doesn't the rope age? I don't know. Well, well it's also like, right, so we got to talk about the physics of this, I guess, because this, this, all this earth sort of appears there. And, and you have to assume the rope travel because their guns yeah. travel, right? It's like whatever yeah. they're holding, right? So yeah. I guess the rope is going to be, now unless like Sawyer himself moves it up, but the rope is going to be buried exactly the way it was hanging. Do you know what I mean? So if there was like a slight... Sure. I guess, yeah. But, but, cause, if, cause it, but, but if somebody is on a rope, then there's going to be a natural sway to it, right? They're gonna, always mm-hmm. going to be moving a little bit, and you're going to feel that difference. We're talking about seconds, and you're also like y- ignoring the the power of denial. I mean, Sawyer might've seen that, but still was just like, no, uh, it, yeah. and, and, and just trying to pretend like he, there was something he could still do. I mean, obviously he's digging in the ground after that. He was, there was definitely moments of denial, I think on his part. Or maybe Locke's God complex, Messiah complex is just as heavy as a mound of earth. <laughs> 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 Also, also possible. Plus, yeah. digging digging with his hands was like all they really needed to do was have a seance and and raise the uh, the spirit of Anna Lucia. She would have shown up with like a fucking caterpillar and just started moving yeah. Earth. <laughs> ghost, ghost Anna Lucia and her like her ghost yeah. uh, bulldozer. Anywho, so Sawyer stops and looks up at Juliet, and she says, "We can't help him. Wherever John went, he's gone, and wherever we are is before that well was ever built." Miles looks up into the sky and says, yeah, I'd say way before. Jin, Sawyer, and Juliet look in the direction Miles is pointing. In the distance, an enormous stone statue of a man with an animal's head stands looking out over the ocean. In its hands, it holds two massive anks. What? 
Now, what did everybody what think they saw before they actually showed it? Oh, what I don't know. I was thinking like, like they saw like pterodactyls flying around or some shit. Oh like that. yeah, they're all looking that direction before. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, uh, a naked Desmond running oh, we're on the ocean. Million BC. <laughs> the big bang. Yeah, right. That's true. Like I, I really they could have they could have done like one little flash, which just have like a dinosaur walk by. That would have been fucking hilarious. <laughs> well, the Earth is only six thousand years old though, so it could oh, be that's true. Right. That's true. Yeah. Um, so Man, does, walk with dinosaurs. Or on the other side, just like flying cars going by. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, was oh, the Irish, it was the Irish yeah, they, and the different. They zapped into Ireland <laughs> yeah. before the invention of whiskey. Um, so <laughs> that's that's another reference to pre-recording. Yeah, right. Call back to right, what confused. you never heard. All right. So, um, yeah. does everyone know what an onk is? The the things that uh, they were holding. I actually don't know the utility of it if it has one. Like I know the symbol and everything, but yeah. it, I don't know what it's for. It, was it just a symbol, symbol. or was is that, is that a preview of uh, fun it's facts? It's not. It's not fun facts. No, fun facts <laughs> today are not very fun, but we'll get there. Um fun. No, but I did. <laughs> oh, Gilgamesh. It, Gilgamesh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's not literature. Um okay, so yes, it is an Egyptian symbol. It basically it looks like a cross except for uh, on the top, instead of something straight, there's like a loop. Yeah, it's a little teardrop. Yeah. And actually, um, the uh, I read that the Catholic Church actually used it. Like, you know, they stole everything from other cultures, used it um, for a while as well. But anyways, it is the Egyptian symbol for life itself, but can also be used to represent life after death. Just... FYI, that's what it is. All right. Nice. All right. Mm. So a statue holding it, it implies like it holds power over life and death or whatever, right? Yeah. Like it was, po- I mean, possibly. Never, the only time it was ever actually, the only time it was ever physically like 3D manifested was in yeah. sculptures, I guess. Like, not, yeah. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. People weren't going around like, I don't know, opening their houses with anks. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a symbol. I mean, I guess it could have been. Maybe it's a hieroglyphic too. I I I don't know. There have been hieroglyphics on that island. There are. And this was actually, the statue, I assume, that had the four toes. Four toes. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that, Derek? Right when they were sailing. What was that season? End of season two? Or is it the end of season? I can't remember. One? I can't I remember. I think it was either. end of season two. Yeah, but it's Saeed. <laughs> that was three seasons ago. It's Saeed and, and um, Sun and Jin on the boat. Yeah, and they sail past the four-toed foot or whatever. That so, was that was yeah. the episode where they laid that, that lame-ass ambush that backfired. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. <laughs> Jin had to jump off the dock and was swimming after a motorboat. Chasing a boat for swimming. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. It was a favorite, one of my favorite moments of the series. Yeah, I mean, he, he grew up in a fishing village, so if anyone was going to be able to do it. Yeah, Catch a true. boat, yeah. That's how he catches fish. He just swims as fast as them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why his dad's relationship with him was strained. He was like, you're a fisherman. You can't be the fish. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, keep going. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the well, Locke is screaming for someone to hear him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he, I couldn't help thinking here, like, he's in a bad shape, but he should be super grateful that he did fall because if he had stayed hanging onto that rope, he would be buried alive that would yeah. be awful or, or just completely crushed crushed yeah that yeah. Mm-hmm. sounds really unpleasant yeah 
<laughs> well, so does being at the bottom of the yeah. well with my leg bones sticking out. But yeah, I, I guess if you got to rank those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, was there any like stray person on the island who was like who we didn't see who was also traveling through time and just like materialized inside In a, tr- a tree? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, uh-huh. Got absolutely wiped out. <laughs> well, I guess we'll we'll come across it. Scott, Steve, one of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But eventually, we talk about where uh, Rocky Dennis's body went, because I guess her, her dead body is just flipping through time at this point. But we'll, it, we'll yeah, get to yeah. it well, no, later Isn't episode. it not, though? Because it, dis- it disappears, right? From So yeah, it, it was yeah, stuck you know, in time. Yeah, I think it stays where it died. Hmm. Because it's only living things, I guess, that are moving through Oh, time. okay. I wonder. And I really wanted it to just be like, I really just wanted her dead body to just be like popping in and out of existence for the rest of time, freaking <laughs> yeah. people out. <laughs> well, the charm, you know, it stayed. She finally shows up. She's completely covered with postal stamps. <laughs> <laughs> just shows up in a rocking chair in her childhood home in the Dharma. Oh, God. <laughs> Traumatized herself as a child. Oh, that's grim. <laughs> Goodness. Right. Anyway, then we then we watch the same scene we've seen twice already as Locke turns the wheel while the green light emanates from behind it. Back topside, Jin, Miles, Juliet, and Sawyer stand as the island begins to shake. Flashes of light start and they all grab their heads and fall to the ground as the humming gets loud. There's a quick shot of Locke's surprised face and then the group above is overtaken by rapid flashes of light, eventually turning everything white. The humming and light disappear. And Juliet says, what the hell was that? Miles replies, that one was different. It was more like an earthquake. Sawyer sees the well has reappeared and leaps into it, only to find it filled with rocks. What if it wasn't? Uh, I know. I yeah, know. He, absolutely, he, he was not careful at all. No. No, he was just he like. He probably have a couple of broke bones sticking out. I know. Mm-hmm. Like, Sawyer, take a second. Yeah, like, wh- <laughs> What Seriously. if they were far in the future and that rope had like no integrity anymore and just I know yeah, right? You know what I mean? He's yeah. a dumbass. Or or the fu- uh, the future inhabitants decided to keep like you know crocodiles or something down there. Like there's all <laughs> kinds of things that could have happened that made his. Well, this is like Jack a, little, a couple episodes ago diving head first off of a waterfall. Oh, I know. And we were like, not knowing how deep it doing? was. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> You can see the producers being like, "No, man, Jack's head first into everything. He's not going to do. He's not going feet first. Even this, like, <laughs> might as well just put a dress on if he's going to jump in feet first. Oh, for fuck's It'd sake! It'd be so funny if that's how they killed him off. Like, just complete hubris and all the guys. I know. Are like, well, I guess he's just an Blatt. idiot. <laughs> we got to figure it out. Well, if hubris is going to kill anyone, it's probably going to be Jack. Yeah. Juliet notices her headache is gone. Everyone else feels the same, and nobody's noses are bleeding. Juliet says, some might say overconfidently, I think it's over. I think John did it. Jin wants to know what they do next, and Sawyer says they wait until everyone returns. Juliet asks, for how long? And Sawyer replies, as long as it takes. All right. Oh, boy. All right. A a text card comes up that says three years later, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. We're inside the barracks security center. A man in a Dharma jumpsuit puts on a record to play. Candida by Tony Orlando and Dawn. He starts dancing with a woman in a Geronimo Jackson t-shirt. Love it. Um, The dancing here is pretty horrific. Yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) 
Well, it's just very obvious that they hadn't cleared, you know, they didn't know what sound they were going to use yet. They hadn't cleared any rights because they're, you see this in TV shows. Oh, yeah. Fair, the but they, they're completely off rhythm. Pretend <laughs> yeah. dancing. Right. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say. Or maybe, just... or maybe they're just white people. Ah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I was going to say. I was like, uh, they just were like, hey, we're sorry. white. We're white. That's what that looked like. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Behind boy. the couple are eight black and white cathode ray tube monitors displaying areas with the sonar fence pylons. A plate full of brownies and some Dharma beers on the control panel below the monitors. Are these Dharma pop Suddenly, brownies? Are they? Sonar fence. That's are they, what I was thinking. Are they with, Dharma with the Geronimo brownies? Jackson t-shirt? Almost yeah, certainly. Definitely, yeah. Oh, not 70s, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I think, What's I think a sonar fence? It's an underwater version of the sonic fence, I, I assume. Oh, okay. Did I write sonar and not sonic? You did. Dave read it that way, too. When he read I, it, I thought, oh, must be, that must be a pretty thick accent. That's amazing. Look at the power I have over Dave. He's like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Just write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a science guy. I thought I those words were interchangeable. Nope, that's what we have Ben and Derek for. They correct all that stuff. Yeah. The rest of us don't know. I'm not right. on initiative uh, material as far as this later on. Suddenly, a crabby-looking fellow, Speak the Devil, in another Dharma jumpsuit. Uh, <laughs> nope, not Speak the Devil. I thought this was about Horace. It's not. Suddenly, a crabby-looking fellow in another Dharma jumpsuit bursts into the room to yell, Are you kidding me? I'm gone 10 minutes and you're having a nanny? <laughs> no, stop. nanny. <laughs> The dancing Dharma man tells the grumpy Dharma man to stop being a bummer. He calls the woman Rosie and says she just stopped by to bring some brownies. Grumpy turns off the music and his name, Phil, can be seen on his jumpsuit. Under the name, it reads Security. The other man's jumpsuit has the same title and his name is revealed to be Jerry. Phil says they're on the clock and Rosie shouldn't be here. Jerry replies, ah, mellow out, Phil. What's going to happen, huh? The polar bears are going to figure out a way out of their cages? They probably also shouldn't be drinking beer and eating pot brownies if they're on the clock. <laughs> also, what's the what's on the clock? Do, they don't have. They're not getting paid. Yeah, what clock? I mean, right. get the, <laughs> like, get what the money? Check out there. I mean, yeah. 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 All right, whatever. You're pretty much. Yeah, I assume you get like a big old salary at the end. Right? Stock options, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Three year stock options. <laughs> anyway. Grumpy Phil says that's not the point, and that if Lafleur finds out, it's going to be his ass. He says, I'm the one who's going to have to answer to him. Jerry claims that Lafleur won't discover anything, just as Rosie notices something strange on one of the monitors. They all look to see a stumbling man by a set of the pylons. Phil wonders if it's a hostile, and Jerry flips a switch to turn on the audio. Rosie says, is that Horace? We can Uh-oh. now see clearly that Horace is taking a massive swig from a bottle of liquor before putting a stick of dynamite in his mouth and lighting it. <laughs> oh, my. He then throws the dynamite at a tree and it explodes. <laughs> can we talk about this for one second, though? Yeah, Horace knows how to, how to have a good time. Apparently. Well, when we find out, <coughs> excuse me, later, what happened, I'm like, how emotionally dysregulated is Horace that he and his wife have a tiff over her ex-husband and he lights dynamite in his mouth. Like, calm the fuck Mm -hmm. down, Horace. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess he's a recovering addict, right? Isn't that implied? Because... 
because Sawyer's well, he, like, oh, Horace doesn't drink. You know what right, I mean? So, yeah. I guess so, yeah. So you, but, this is him falling off the wagon, and it's pretty clear why he gave it up, because he does shit like this. When he's I, yeah, right. My dad was an alcoholic my whole life. I never saw him light a stick of dynamite in his mouth. But, all right. <laughs> did okay, he have, Horace. Did he have access to dynamite? Yeah, did he have access to it? <laughs> oh, I guess point. that's a good point. And too, Derek, yeah. there's... There's no AA on the island because AA Ron hasn't been born yet. This is true. true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jerry says, oh, he's got dynamite. Very <laughs> no, uh, Sherlock. <laughs> Phil freaks and tells Jerry to get Rosie out of there. Jerry tells Rosie to leave and not to speak to anyone about being there. Phil says, we got to get Lafleur." Both men look nervous. And Jerry's afraid 3 a.m. is not the right, right time to get Lafleur." Jerry says, maybe we can handle this ourselves, huh? But Phil replies, and maybe Horace blows himself up and the floor kills both of us for not waking him. <laughs> both men look at the monitors to see another explosion <laughs> and turn and run out the door. I love how they're building up to this. Ooh, that's LaFleur guy. He sounds like scary. Yeah, tough, you know. yeah, he must Ooh, be a hard ass. Boss man. Yeah, early character. <laughs> <laughs> the men are outside running through the barracks and stop at the door of one of the homes. They're panting and arguing about who's going to knock. Phil gives in, knocks meekly on the door at first, and then a bit louder. A familiar and annoyed voice calls from the inside, What? <laughs> Both the men look terrified, and Phil squeaks out, uh, Mr. LaFleur, sorry to bother you, but we got a situation out of the pylons. The door <laughs> swings open, and the familiar voice says, What kind of situation? Phil tells him Horace has blown up trees and di- with dynamite, and fucking Sawyer turns to grab his jumpsuit and leads LaFleur, head of security. He's clean-shaven with silky washed hair and, of course, drops a son of a bitch. <laughs> Sawyer zips up LaFleur's jumpsuit and joins the goofballs outside, and we get our lost title screen. Woo-wee! That's some exciting stuff. And we're back, and a horn is honking, and Miles exits one of the barracks' homes while pulling on his security jumpsuit. He opens the door to the Dharma bus, hops in next to Sawyer, and says, Hey, boss. Sawyer calls him Enos and asks if he brought his (laughs) zapper. Miles hasn't and wants to know why, so Sawyer tells him that their fearless leader is blowing up trees because he's loaded. Miles says he thought Horace didn't drink, and Sawyer says he doesn't, so we're going to keep this on the down low. Hmm. Oh, boy. Horace is passed out in the grass, snoring with a Dharma whiskey bottle in his hand and sticks a dynamite strewn in the grass. Um, I couldn't help but thinking here, like with the Dharma liquor and, and the Dharma beer and everything, like, do you think yeah. the network was a little bit annoyed at this for all the missed like, oh, product yeah, placement yeah. opportunities? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's true, right? Like, why doesn't the Dharma initiative drink Pepsi or something? <laughs> yeah, or Jameson yeah. or Jack right. Daniels. Yeah, they could have right. used this this opportunity to, to butch Bud Light up a little bit, you know. Oh boy, they <laughs> um, they do they do have a, a McCutcheon though. Remember, that's true. Like the McCut- yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and that's a real brand, so that's in there. But I, I'm trying to. I was just racking my brain trying to think of like, are there any other products? But I don't think so. I think only only the McCutcheon. Yeah, Volkswagen that's and Jeep. Oh, Volkswagen yeah. and Jeep, definitely. Yeah. 
Yep, yep, you're right. They do have the buses. We did a fun fact on those buses once. I don't remember what episode it was, but... And we know we know the Boeing and uh, whether seven eight sevens or seven thirty seven Max eights are all over the episode, crashing on islands, crashing on islands, which is very people flying accurate of Boeing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, scary. They were, they were bolts. Who needs bolts on a plane? Yeah, yeah. who need, who needs magnets to pull your plane down? Uh, oh my yeah. god! <laughs> exactly. Fall apart themselves. Yeah. Anywho, a tree is burning nearby. Uh, his jumpsuit, this man, his jumpsuit has an arrow, on the, uh, arrow patch on it that reads Horus, mathematician. Ooh. Mm. This place is run by fucking nerds, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah I was just thinking up. it might as well say Horus, nerd. <laughs> right. <laughs> or pedophile. Oh, okay. Uh, take a minute to recover from that one. <laughs> Sawyer tells Miles to put out the fire and gather the dynamite. Miles wants the assigned, assigned task switched until Sawyer says, you want to tell Amy where you found him? Miles looks down to indicate no, and Sawyer smiles. I do love how it's like a, a theme in this, of this Dharma initiative that like everybody's afraid of everybody else's temper, and then they turn <laughs> out to not really that, be that bad. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Everyone's just like it's, like, it's like, it's like how people live in Ireland. Everyone always just assumes the worst of everybody. Is that true? <laughs> that's a... Uh, in Ireland? That's, yeah, well, that's a that's a deeper cultural thing that we could talk about another time, maybe. <laughs> I mean, Ire. It's all in the name, Ire. Uh, oh, you're right. I mean, Ireland. I guess I'd... Oh, my God. How have I never made that connection? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I cannot tell if you're, if you're, if you're being no, shitty. No, or I'm not. No, no, I'm not. That is, you blow my mind wide Holy open. Holy cow. This is why, this is why Dave th- keeps coming back, because of the way we open his mind. i on that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, my experience in Ireland is that everyone was very lovely, but maybe they were quietly yeah. angry at me. <laughs> no, well, my my summation of it is always that we're very nice to visitors, but not that nice to each other. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. interesting. Mm-hmm. Here in the but United again, that States, that would take a while to. Yeah, in the United States, we're not nice we're to just visitors to everybody. Or, or each other. <laughs> we're just, yeah, we're, we're we're just awful. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't know. I always found Americans very welcoming, but well, that's because we love the could, Irish. Could also, yeah, it could be a good it's will, I guess, Irish person. Yeah, you walk around with that accent, Maybe. you're gonna, you can like mesmerize Americans like the Pied Piper. <laughs> <laughs> but God forbid you're brown, <laughs> you're not gonna get the same reaction. Mm-hmm. Here we go. <laughs> oh, are we? Are we back on? Uh, it's fine. I can't help I know. it. It's going to go. It's going to go towards racism or late stage capitalism. One of the two. I, you know. I, I mean, uh, everyone. Hey, we it. are just stressed out. Twenty twenty four is just going. It's just going to be a fucked up year here in this country, and we're, it, we're it's very, already a fucked up year. Yeah, I know. You guys have fun. How's real estate in, in Toronto, Dave? Eh? Expensive. Oh, not good. Hmm. Well, Not the good. four of us are, are thinking of building a commune in uh, Costa Rica. Do you want to come with us? Mm-hmm. Can we build it to look identical to the Dharma compound? Yeah. I suppose we could, yeah. <laughs> we kind of could. And whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't not live there. It's nice, right? I, <laughs> I actually, nice. I actually have, I have an idea that I would love to come to fruition at some point. I was thinking of like Ben and I were thinking of buying some property out here near Leavenworth, which is like a. a Bavarian village in the middle of the mountains here. Um, 
But cool. I would love to have enough property that everyone that I love, like whether it's poly partners or friends or whatever, that we all live on the same property in our own tiny homes, which would essentially be like living in the Dharma barracks would basically be the same thing. So, yes, Dave. We can make that happen. I don't know. I mean, we're fleeing the United States from fascism. You're probably not having that problem so much in Toronto. But if you just wanted to come with us, that'd be great. Well, <laughs> well all right. I guess I don't know enough about um, I mean, Canadian politics. <laughs> I, 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 think, I, I think I'm actually going to uh, invite William Mapather to come with us as well, just to give it the authentic feel. And he's probably not doing anything <laughs> anyway right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we can, like, hunt him for sport. Sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Tom can visit for the holidays. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just want to tell the listeners, in case you haven't noticed, you are in the midst of what will definitely be our longest episode yet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's the that's the last the plot guarantee anytime one of us comes on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. All right. Well, back to it. So Sawyer is knocking on a barracks door with Horace over his shoulder. And what an absolute tank Sawyer is, because... Horace is not like a small guy. Right? No. He's, no. Just, he's just carrying him around like he's a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, can you remember when Locke did that with his dead father? Oh, yeah. He had like dead weight and he's still just slinging him over his shoulder. Everyone everyone <laughs> on this island is like impervious to weight and head injuries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, his father's, his father's weight was nothing compared to the weight of his destiny, so... Right. Oh, oh wow, Ooh. that was deep. Yes, deep. <laughs> a woman with dark red curly hair <laughs> opens the door. She gasps and says, "Oh my God, is he okay?" Sawyer goes inside and chucks Horace onto the couch. The woman, Amy, looks to be late in her trimester of pregnancy. Sawyer tells her that he found him near the flame, blowing up trees, and wants to know why. Amy calls Sawyer Jim and says that she and Horace had a fight, but it's personal. Sawyer says, personal? You think this isn't going to get out? It'll be on the Coconut Telegraph by breakfast. (laughs) Again, almost made my best moment. Love that. (laughs) And it immediately makes me, like, picture, like, Hurley with a whole bunch of coconuts just out there just spreading the word. (laughs) (laughs) Amy says it was about Paul. Just as Sawyer asks if she's okay, Amy falls forward in pain. He helps her up, and Amy says the baby is coming now. Sawyer says, "Oh hell!" <laughs> it was. Too, it really was too soon for another son of a bitch. But I kind of hoped that he was going to drop yeah. another one there. I thought the same thing. I bet they. I bet it was network TV. He probably only. They were probably only allowed so many bitches per like episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we we call them actresses, Lacey. Oh my god! <laughs> Only allowed so many bitches. What is this? My landlord's pet policy? <laughs> that was poor. Oh, made me laugh. All right. All right. All right. Three years earlier, we're mm-hmm. back, folks. Sawyer and Juliet step out of some foliage. 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 Check foliage. Out. The Simpsons joke about that always makes me forget the actual pronunciation. Foliage. 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 There we go. That's funny how a joke, like, fucks you up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oi, 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 (laughs) oi. Just going to let that resolve. That's the noise that Locke makes Uh, when the island gives him approval. (laughs) Yep. 
<laughs> or someone tells him, it's your destiny. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> I'm just going to take that paragraph from the top. Alrighty. Sawyer and Juliet step out of some fo- uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Foley. J- just say the just say the trees. Now, now I have to leave all <laughs> of that in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. All right. <laughs> Sawyer and Juliet step out of some foliage to find Daniel Faraday kneeling alone in the jungle, muttering to himself, "I'm not going to tell her. Don't even tell her. I won't." They notice Charlotte isn't with him. Juliet walks over to Daniel and stoops down next to him. Sawyer, Miles, and Jin hang back. Faraday is still muttering, no, I won't do it. I won't tell her. I won't do it. Juliet says, Daniel, you okay? Daniel, where's Charlotte? An incredibly distraught Daniel says, she's not here. She's gone. She's dead. She's dead. There was another flash and she was just gone. Her body just disappeared. She moved on and we stayed. What? See? Yeah. I think him that might be him misinterpreting it. I don't know. I just I just feel like if it's only alive people who are moving, right? Like her body just stayed there. Yeah. Frame of perspective. Know. She moved on. I'm still here. She moved on. Well, one guy's arm, it stayed and decayed. Montan's oh, yeah. arm. Yeah, that's true. Montan's arm stayed. Mm-hmm. And and we do we do know now that Miles Miles gift does not move across time. Right? Cuz he would if she were there even right. in oh, yeah. you know Imaginary time, Ooh. imaginary space. If we were looking along that plot, Miles did not oh, sense her being dead. How about imaginary so. space? Yeah. yeah, he's probably delighted because he doesn't have to like put up with Charlotte. Exactly. <laughs> <from beyond> the- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're right, but I'm still gonna imagine that she's popping through time on that island for all eternity because it's hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Fun. <laughs> I just have to say, in this scene, when Juliet is talking to Daniel about what happened to Charlotte. Her acting is so good, what she mm-hmm. does with her face, um, because she goes from, like, concerned to clearly very sad. And I don't know. I yeah. just thought it was really, really well done. Yeah. She's incredible. Great. What did we see her in fairly recently, Ben? It was sci-fi. The Expanse. Was she in The Expanse? Yeah. Yeah. She was in The Expanse. Yep. And and she still has that quality um, about her, I think it's something natural about the woman, not just her character. She was like that in that series, Revolution, as well. Yeah, she's just—it's just the way that she comes across. She's so calm and so—I yep. I don't know how else to explain mm-hmm. it. Yeah, she's just—she's like that. I feel like she should do. What's that on the Calm app? Sometimes they have celebrities and they come in and they like read you bedtime stories. You know, Matthew McConaughey does that. Um, mm. I feel like like she could put me to sleep reading me a story or something like that. Um, yeah, there was a scene in that series Revolution where a guy was going to launch nuclear missiles against a couple of cities. And she's just standing there calm, trying to calm him down. You know, what are you going to do? You know, what's this going to do? I mean, she went like, oh, my God, you're going to destroy, you know, millions of people. Yeah, she's just really, really good at that. Go ahead, Dave. It's yep. the, the well. The character explanation is that she has good bedside manner, right? I guess sure. Like she's a yeah. midwife. She's um, had to give a lot of yeah, bad that, news to a lot of people and be a yeah. grief mop. But that definitely applies to the actress as well, for sure. And if you enter the code LMIS forties on com, you'll get thirty days. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone actually tries that. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, they fucking okay, lied to me. Your code doesn't work. Someone, someone, who, someone who really needs, 
<laughs> someone who really needs calm, and so they absolutely go insane when it doesn't yeah. work. Like, fuck this! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if somebody really, really needs to be calm, they're probably not listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Juliet says she's sorry, but Sawyer says, hold on, wait a minute, we stayed? We're not traveling through time anymore? You saying it's over? Faraday replies, of course it's over. Wherever we are now, whenever we are now, they love, they love making those jokes. Yeah. <laughs> We're here for good. He then goes back to muttering to himself about how he won't tell her. Sawyer says, okay, swell. Until, Jan, until Dan checks back in, I say we head back to the beach. When Locke gets back with everybody, that's where they'll be looking for us. Miles thinks that's dumb because the camp is gone and, that's, and all that's at the beach is arrows. Juliet agrees with Sawyer and says, Sawyer's right, Miles. We should go back to the beach. We survived there before. We can do it again. Miles sarcastically says aloud that going to the beach and the orchid are the only plans these people have. <laughs> Which did make me laugh. <laughs> before storming off, Sawyer says, hey, zip it. I'm heading back to the beach. If our stuff's there, great. If not, we build new stuff. Torches. Yeah, we'll stop at the torch farm on the way. Yeah. You don't like that plan? Good luck. Miles looks to the rest of the group and asks who put Sawyer in charge. Without a word, Juliet and Jin follow Sawyer. Well, well. I mm. love this episode so much. It's like this sort of culmination of Sawyer's transformation since the show has started. Mm -hmm. And now you see him as like this leader and protector and eventually head of security, hilariously enough. And... I, I just feel so proud of Sawyer <laughs> when I'm watching this episode. I love this show. <laughs> I also I love I love Miles little making fun of them how they only have two plans because it's almost like a little self self deprecating joke by the writers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the orchid. All right. Yeah. That's it's either that funny. or the writers giving the location scouts shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. A little while later, Miles is now leading the entire group on the trek to the beach, so I guess he got with the program. Uh, apparently. Faraday and Jin are not far behind, and Juliet and Sawyer take up the rear. <laughs> he thanks her for getting his back <laughs> on the beach thing, and Juliet says, you should thank me. It was a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> he wonders why she agreed, and she says, any plan is better than no plan. Besides, if I hadn't agreed with you, we'd still be arguing about where to go next. I just hope you figure out something better before we get there. <laughs> Sawyer says you know he's what? open to suggestions. It's like they're almost in a relationship already. You know what I mean? It's like she supports him in front of the group yeah. and then is critical when they're alone. Like, that's the way a relationship should work. It's like they're just sort of naturally yeah. moving into that without really saying it. And mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Well, even here they establish, like, because, you know, at the end of the episode, he says, like, he, when he's trying to convince her to stay, he's like, who's going to get my back? Right. And right. Referencing this, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 And that's when, in that scene, that's when they really, I think, you see the light bulbs going off in their heads, like, wait a second, like, what's going mm -hmm. on between us here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I got a boner, and it's yeah. not just because of physical attraction. <laughs> oh, you almost made coffee come out of my nose when you said that. <laughs> Holy moly. So Juliet, uh, hoping that Sawyer figures out something better. Sawyer says he's open to suggestions just as they hear gunshots and stop in their tracks. And did it drive anybody else insane here that nobody ducked? Like nobody yes. got down? <laughs> Motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. We're in Compton. You gotta go. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, that's true. Then everybody just looks around to left and right. Like, no, no, no. Everybody's Lie down. Like, <laughs> yeah. Miles absolutely could have like had his head taken off there easily. <sighs> Each raises their World War II era rifles stolen from Widmore and Ellie in 1954. Sawyer moves toward the gunshots. Jane and Juliet follow. Faraday stands frozen, apparently in shock. A woman can be heard sobbing in the distance. No, Paul. Oh, God. The group runs through a clearing and spots two raggedy-looking men holding a woman at gunpoint. She puts her hands up and says, No, please, we didn't know. And she turns to the man lying next to her and says, Paul, please, please, please say something. One of the men takes a gun from Paul's dead body and then points his at the woman again while the other man puts a bag over her head. She's begging for her life. No, no, no. We were just touring this park. We didn't mean anything. Juliet wonders who these people are, but Miles says they don't know when they don't know when they are. He turns to a zombie like Daniel and says, We don't get involved, right? That's what you said. Faraday replies, Doesn't matter what we do. Whatever happened, happened. Sawyer chimes in with, Yeah, thanks anyway, Plato. I'm going over there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you think that's referencing anything in particular, or is Sawyer just like pulling the first philosopher that came out of his ass? Probably. I probably. Guess the latter. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Cause I'm trying to make a connection to any sort of like the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm not seeing it, but then. Yeah. No. Plus, it's, it's like two syllables, so it's it makes it nice and punchy. Yeah. Yeah. True. I don't think Plato was uh, pontificating much on time travel. <laughs> <laughs> he asked Juliet if she still has his back, and she says, absolutely. The woman with the bag over her head is still screaming. Paul, talk to me. The bearded hostile drags the woman to her feet. Sawyer pops out and says, all right, drop the gun. A hostile fires at Sawyer and then a bullet wound opens in his chest. Sawyer looks up to see Juliet having just fired her rifle. Incredible shot. My God, fastest draw in the West. Holy shit. Boing. (laughs) Those old ass rifles probably haven't even sighted them. Fuck. That's That's why she's Juliet. She's a badass with a gun. Sawyer then looks to the other hostile who's readying his weapon, but Sawyer fires first, and the bearded hostile falls backward, dead. The woman with the bag over her head is screaming in terror because of not being able to see what's happening. I mean, right? Sawyer disarm. Can you imagine sitting there with a fucking bag over your head, people shooting at each other, you don't even know who's there? Yikes. Uh, Anybody watch Fargo season five? I haven't watched any of that show. I've never seen the show. Damn, you guys got to watch that show. Okay, I won't say anything. It's a goodie. Yeah, we're busy watching uh, the season four of True Detective right now, which is amazing so far. Oh, really? Christy, you're watching I, it, right? I, watch, I got. I'm not caught up on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got. I watched three episodes, and I thought it was kind of boring. So no, really, that's what I heard too. Oh, we love I, it. I mean, I could see a lot of people thinking thinking that any of those any of the true detective shows are boring because they have a tendency to build up and they're kind yeah, of slow burns. All of them slow are like burn that. Dialogue, yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I liked all the other seasons, even season two that everybody hated. I thought was I loved not bad. season two. Yeah, I, I loved. I've good. loved all but of them. This one, this one was too slow for me. I don't know. Okay, well, you're fired. I like. I don't know. The acting is good and everything. Yeah, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, Juliet and Sawyer disarm the two dead men, and Sawyer removes the hood from the traumatized woman and says, it's all right, it's okay, you're safe, it's over. The woman is revealed to be Amy, who then asks, who are you? Sawyer, unsure what to say, looks to Juliet and then back to Amy. 
Yeah, they, they didn't consider that part before they walked in. Uh, who are we? <laughs> what do we say? <laughs> yeah, you see it on their faces like, oh, shit. <laughs> we need a story. Yeah. <laughs> Paul wears a security jumpsuit similar to those we've already seen. Daniel is eyeing her red hair. Super mm. weird. Mm-hmm. Juliet is cleaning up the picnic while Miles patrols with the rifle. Oh, sorry, guys. I'm gassy for my coffee. <laughs> um, it's coming out the top. Don't worry. Yeah. Now there, it, it wouldn't be the first belch that's made it onto this podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> Julia tells Sawyer that Paul is wearing a Dharma suit, which puts them in the seventies or eighties. He wonders if the men they killed were others, and Juliet says, "Beats me before my time." <laughs> <laughs> Jin grabs a walkie-talkie from one of the bodies, and Juliet says they need to go. Sawyer approaches Amy and says, listen, sweetheart, we got to get moving now. She wants to know who they are, and Sawyer says, our ship wrecked here on the way to Tahiti, but that ain't important right now, because whoever's on the other end of this, those two might have given him a call before we saved you. Amy insists they bury the men because of the truce. Oh boy. She says, we have to bury them, and we have to bring it him back home. We have to bring Paul back with us. Please? She starts sobbing. A gin yep. offers to carry Paul. Again, again over the shoulder. <laughs> what, a, what a gentleman. Yeah. What a gentleman. <laughs> Sawyer agrees to bury the man and carry your friend back, but says they better do it fast. A sniffling Amy says, he wasn't my friend. He was my husband. Oh, wow. Can he be both? Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Well, ideally. Do you, do you think uh, you think Sawyer dug those graves with his hands as well? Probably, yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's like half a day's no, work just, at least. Yeah, right? even if yeah. see it show up. Yeah, and- shallow graves, and I didn't see shovels out there, so I'm. <laughs> he's like he's. I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's become a sorcerer, and he just taps into like the power of Anna Lucia, digs a yep, six, comes in, six digs foot a trench with like a reed or something, <laughs> and then and then that's it. Or maybe yeah. he just buried them under a bunch of leaves, like he didn't actually. Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking more. Just throw some throw some branches and maybe some stones over the top. That's going to be faster than trying to dig. The entire group is now hiking down some hilly terrain. Hey, they could have just taken the bodies and thrown them down the hills. and then uh, Rode them like down the fall. hills even like a yeah. slug. Oh <laughs> it would look like they it would look like they fell on bullets. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <clears throat> so... <laughs> Sawyer quietly tells Miles and Juliet to listen up. He says, when we get there, there's going to be a lot of questions. So just keep your mouth shut. Let me do the talking. Miles is concerned Sawyer won't be able to convince them they were in a boat wreck. But Sawyer says, I'm a professional. I used to lie for a living. Well, Just then, Juliet screams, Daniel, stop. Faraday complies and looks up to see a row of concrete pylons. Juliet tells Amy to turn it off. And Amy says, turn what off? Juliet says it looks like a sonic fence, not a sonar fence. <laughs> well, maybe if she had said sonar Sawyer, fence, it, it would have been a little more convincing. She didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> yeah, there you go. She and Sawyer glance at each other and Amy says, where did you say your ship was going? Sawyer snaps. Listen, sister, we're the ones who just <laughs> saved your life and hid those bodies. So how about you trust us and turn that damn thing off? Wow. Amy goes to a control box. She types in the code 3856 and the panel unlocks with a beep. She reaches in and pulls something out as Sawyer whispers to Juliet, Sonic fence, didn't I say let me do the talking? <laughs> Juliet pointed out that if she had let Daniel take another step, his brain would have been fried. Sawyer says his brain's already fried. 
wrong. <laughs> True. <laughs> Amy announces that the fence is off. Cautious Sawyer tells her to go first. She proceeds and a high-pitched buzz is heard as she easily passes through the pylons. She says, see, it's fine. The group all move forward at once. Sawyer says, and going forward, we should all do a better job of trusting. But before he can finish, there's a buzzing and everyone falls to their knees, rides on the ground, and then goes motionless. Buzzing stops and Amy removes a, removes a pair of white earplugs from her ears. So this is the point where what you do is you take Miles first and you say, Miles, you walk through and then you hold that bitch at gunpoint. And when he falls, <laughs> drop her ass. God, yep. come on. All three at the same time. Hey, is this landmine operational? I don't know. Let's all jump on top of it and find out. God. <laughs> I do like the secondary, like, kind of protocol there. You know, if somebody forces you to do the fence like that, you've got the earplugs. That's, that's good thinking on the part of the Dharma Initiative. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be funny if uh, they sent Daniel through first as a test, and he's just standing on the other side, like, still muttering to himself. And they're like, yeah, Miles, you better go through, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <there> we go. <laughs> we, we, we don't know that that didn't fuck him up. Oh, my God. Oh, poor Daniel. Alrighty. Back to the future. Amy is screaming while in labor. A doctor in a Dharma lab code is trying to calm her. He sees Sawyer lurking and approaches him to ask where Horace is. Sawyer says he's unavailable, so the doctor explains that Amy is in a perilous situation. This is something I would always do on... Uh, what I'm about to do is something I would always do on Lost the Plot. Um, uh-huh. And then, like, point out that there's actually no reason for me to say this. I'm just insulting a human being. Okay. But uh, <laughs> this intern doctor, kind of a shitty actor. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, and it actually, actor, no reason for me to say that. It surprises me that they would. I mean, this was like the biggest show on TV when it was on. Like, why would you employ somebody who's not good? It just seems weird to me. Yeah. But eh. maybe the actor who played it didn't show up on set that day. So they just had to grab someone from the crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was uh, an, another, it was like William Mathather's yeah. <laughs> other cousin. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, most of the people who don't have a lot of lines like this guy, they're probably not bringing them to Hawaii from L.A. They're probably yeah. people who yeah. live in Hawaii Mostly, who just happen yeah. to be like, oh, hey, I could I could be in that. Um, or they're hey. just in LA in a set and I don't know if you actually see this actor in frame with any of the other actors or not I can't remember but it could always just be oh one that's of those true and they're not outside where the jungle is like yeah, they could exactly. just be in LA yeah maybe I mean regardless uh, whatever your name is if you're listening Dave says you're a bad actor <laughs> You suck. Yeah, if, if you're listening, you should feel bad about yourself. Yeah, this, this guy killed himself a long time ago. He's not listening. <laughs> People criticize his acting. His failed acting oh. career. And then he, yeah, yeah. It got ugly after that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the baby is breached and she needs a cesarean. Sawyer tells him to do it. But the doctor says, I'm an internist, not an obstetrician. Our <laughs> women always deliver on the mainland. Amy was supposed to get on the sub on Tuesday. The baby's two weeks early. Amy is screaming. Sawyer says, can you deliver this baby or not? When the doctor responds, I don't know. Sawyer runs out the door. Ooh, I wonder who I've he's going to go I got to say get. something about, uh, I got to say something here about the thing? Dar- Dharma Initiative's uh, standard operating procedure when it comes to this. The only way out the island is a submarine. Two weeks early is not very early. It happens all the time. If you know that yeah. they need to be off the island, then sh- they should have taken her off six weeks 
early, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, okay. Yeah, or at it. the start of the third trimester, really. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just need, I think I need to get their, their operations manual and make some updates. Yeah. So that's what I was just going to say. It's like weird how they, they've got the charge. like, they've got the sonic fence thing in the earphones and they got all that down, but they can't figure out how to like when to get a pregnant woman off the island. It's stupid. Yeah. They've I got an entire group man. of kids that are like, are you a submarine kid? I'm a submarine kid. Cause they were all delivered <laughs> on the fucking sub on their way to the States. <laughs> oh my. Outside Sawyer runs through some trees into a garage where a man works on one of the Dharma vans. Sawyer says, Hey man, where is she? The guy points to the next van where a grinder sparks underneath another Dharma van. Sawyer knocks and the whirring stops. Juliet wheels herself out from underneath the vehicle. Her jumpsuit's Dharma logo patch has a wrench in the middle, and her embroidered pocket reads, Juliet, motor pool. What? She says, what's up? An, exa- an exasperated Sawyer replies, Amy's having her baby. She's in trouble. Doc says she needs a cesarean. Juliet lowers her voice and says, we had an agreement. Sawyer oh. says, screw the agreement. The other doctor Damn. has never done one, and he's guessing Juliet has. Juliet points out that every time she's tried to help a woman on this island, it hasn't worked. Sawyer pleads with her. Well, maybe whatever made that happen hasn't happened yet. You got to try. You got to help her. You're the only one that can. Juliet takes her gloves off, throws them at Sawyer, and takes off. So this is interesting. Like, what if Sawyer's right, Derek? What What if we're before um, the whatever reason people that? Yeah, can't get pregnant? I wonder if we'll yes, explore that in the end of season five or not. <laughs> I think we might, based on what you're saying. (laughs) It's a a coat hanger gas leak. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, It did occur to me right now that I I might need to amend something. I think I've been referring to Juliet as like a midwife or something, but she's actually like a fertility doctor, right? She's a fertility doctor. Yeah, Yeah. I think I'm I'm being a little sexist and underselling her profession. My apologies. Yeah, I mean, I just well, the terminology like, of midwifery you said, but I don't think you've ever you've ever disparaged her profession or yeah. underestimated her her capabilities. Well, you can call her first, mid-husband. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being a midwife either. But yeah, she's a fertility doctor, which means like technically the fertility doctor is not going to be the one that's going to deliver the baby. They're going to be the one that no. that gets you pregnant. Mm. Yeah. Um, huh, you got to think which, though, in theory, at least they know how to do a cesarean, right? Like the They've at least studied it. You'd think so. I would imagine yeah. that's a fairly routine surgery that I, I, I would mm-hmm. guess. See, you know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I would suppose, I don't know what doctors well, go through. Plus, I know veterinary medicine. Every veterinarian learns surgery when they're in school, but I don't know that every, mm. like you can become a board certified surgeon for like different things, but any general practice, like it's legal for them to do surgery. And they do learn basic stuff, but yeah. I don't know about humans. Maybe. Well, she probably at least attempted cesareans before when she was with the others, right? Because they brought her onto the island specifically. For I would that. imagine, so if right? She yeah. Hadn't performed if she hadn't performed one before then. She's definitely performed one before now. Right, but we know she. I mean, she took Even Jack's she- appendix out, so she's she knows uh, her yeah, way around, right. like you know, cutting into a body or whatever. Ben, what were you saying? I was saying, Dave, if you're worried about, you know, sounding like you're, you're casual sexism, I already did the, the actress bitches joke. So <laughs> I, I think any, anything you say at this point is probably going to be uh, going to come in under the radar. So we're already uh, irredeemable. 
Um, here's a mini yep. fun fact. The uh, the fertility doctor that um, did uh, the IVF for Ben and I um, has been fired from the University of Washington because they found out when he was working in California, he used his sperm to impregnate um, a client, a patient. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. So gross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Google. How do they Google, do that stuff? Yeah. Google fertility doctor. Now he's putting it in himself. He yeah. can find it. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Right. Yep. Filthy. <laughs> uh, we're all a little filthy here. Guess he wanted to spread his seed everywhere. Yeah. We may be sexist pigs on this podcast, but at least we're not that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess what happened that's was fucked up because that's not the first time that's happened. No. Well, and so what happened with this particular case? I don't know how many times this guy did this, but what happened with the particular case is that it was um, a patient who had two children via IVF using donor sperm, and or so she thought. Um, and apparently, with the second child, he didn't use donor sperm; he used his own, and so. When that child was 10 and had an older sibling by, I guess, a couple of years, um, they, the parents decided to do genetic testing so they could see if they could find relatives. And when they did that, they found that the boys were not related, <laughs> even though they should have been, should have had the same father. And then in the one child's family tree, they found the last name of the doctor. <laughs> And then they contacted that Oops. family member. Yeah. <laughs> and then they uh, got a private investigator right. and then it all came out. And that was how it came out. And then it, they found out here 10 years later. I mean, the kid was 10 and he'd already been working in Washington for a long time. And but anyways, it's fucking crazy. So. Yeah. Not so fun. Oh, fact. Cheery note. I- yeah. Right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, is that a crime that he can be charged with, or just you just get fired? Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah, that's a crime. That is a crime. I don't know specifically the statute in in California, but uh, it's probably sexual assault of some way, in in some degree, like legally. Um, Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. But but pragmatically, it, it would always be done as a civil case through the hospital. Right. Oh, I'm sure they're they they probably sued the fuck out of yeah whoever he was working for, and I hope yeah. they did, and I hope they got a shit ton of money because mm-hmm. that's crazy. Anyways, back to happy things. <laughs> back, inside, back inside the medical office, where there's a much higher ethical standard. <laughs> Amy is breathing deeply while Juliet examines her abdomen. Abdomen. There we go. Sawyer stands face to face with the doctor. Juliet asks the doctor medical questions and then gives a list of supplies she'll need. The doctor says, you're going to need. Where's Horace? Sawyer says he's speaking for Horace now, and Juliet is delivering the baby. The doctor doesn't think it's a good idea, but Amy says she wants her to do it. The doctor leaves, and Sawyer steps close to Juliet. He says, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. He's a mathematician. All all Amy knows Juliet as is a mechanic. Why is she advocating (laughs) to have her... Do the surgery. Yeah. She doesn't know she's a doctor. <laughs> like what? Does anyone else find this strange? Woman's body, V dub bus, pretty much the same. <laughs> so much, so many transferable Ooh. skills. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, side note. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. 
fertility fraud um, is not actually illegal. What? I didn't think it was. I just yeah. think it's a civil thing, which it should be fucking maybe. illegal, but... There, Whoa. there are no laws specifically banning doctors from secretly using their own sperm during artificial insemination uh, procedures. Oh, uh, I didn't think so. bill to create a criminal charge around the practice, among other regulatory measures, has died in the past four legislative sessions. What? Wonder who blocked that? <laughs> Wonder. I don't even know what to say. I'm in total fucking shock. It's because it's a crime against women. That's why there's no fucking punishment. I'm sure. Yep. Well, Good very true. Lord. That's sadly true. Because that good old, that good old party is so pro life that they don't really care where the life comes from. I guess. Yeah, no. they don't care about it once it's born. Yeah. Well, some of them do. There are some people like the the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Those Christo fascist whack jobs. Um, they want to get rid of fertility treatments. They'd like to outlaw them because if I guess if God makes you barren, you should stay that way. Oh, it's well, God's also will. because like now there are these embryos that are not going to be born. Yeah, we have three. You know, healthy you can't frozen embryos because they're already alive. Right. Um, so that's that's the reason why some GOPers are against it is because yeah. we've got these embryos that are now going to either have to be destroyed or they'll just never come to fruition. They go, um, if we don't use ours, which, I don't know, we don't, it, that's a very up-in-the-air emotional thing, um, they will go to research. So we'll just donate them for genetic research so that we can help advance science if we don't raise a child. Um, but yeah, they'd like to stop that too. Like, any any yeah. sort of medical God research. God advance yeah. science. Yeah. How do we Stem get back? I, we did it again. Yeah. We're back so, to depressing. Page seven. Racism, sexism, Christian fascism, and now let's get <laughs> We're getting it all. Good Lord. Dave brought up the GOP. They're pro-life because they, yeah, they're pro-life because they want more lives to ruin. Okay, back to it. So Sawyer steps close to Juliet and says, listen, you're going to do great. I know you are. Juliet puts Aww. on a stethoscope and goes back to tending to Amy while Sawyer heads outside. Yeah. Aww. I can imagine her coming in later. How'd it go? And she rolls out on her thing underneath. Oh, she's fine. She's got like grease all over her face. (laughs) (laughs) She throws off her work gloves. Change the oil. Yeah. Yeah, The wrench can't take care of. Exactly. (sighs) Sawyer's now pacing outside the medical center. Jin arrives and says in fluent English, is everything okay? Sawyer says there's a problem with Amy's delivery and he's pulled Juliet out of retirement. They sit on a bench and Sawyer asks if there's been any luck. Jin says they finished grid 133 today and there's no sign of their people. Sawyer says, well, 134 then. (laughs) Jin asks, how long do we look, James? Again, Sawyer says, as long as it takes. Juliet comes out of the medical center with a flushed face and panting. Sawyer asks what happened and she says, it's a boy. Everyone's okay. The look on her face in this scene and Sawyer's face too. They're both clearly so excited and happy. Yeah. I liked it. Absolutely. And she's delivered a lot of stillborns, you know, so it must be nice to... Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in the past, Sawyer is lying on a couch. He groans and grunts awake, rubs his eyes, and lifts his head to see Horace leaning on a pool table. They're in the barracks rec room. Horace inquires about Sawyer's head, and Sawyer says, it hurts. He asks Horace about his friends, who says they're fine. He also tells Sawyer he appreciates what he did for Amy. Sawyer says, well, y'all got a funny way of showing your appreciation. 
Horace explains they have defense protocols because of the hostile indigenous people and then demands to know who Sawyer is. Sawyer replies, my name's James LaFleur. You can call me Jim. Horace asks how he got to the island and Jim wonders why all the questions, if his, uh, why all the questions, if his friends are safe. Horace claims his friends said he needed to talk to him because he is the ship's captain. Sawyer looks down momentarily and then stands up and says, we got caught in a storm, our ship wrecked. We must have hit the reef. Thankfully, we washed up on shore. Sawyer sees a plate of sandwiches and a glass of milk on the pool table. As he, grasps, as he grabs the milk, Horace asks, what kind of ship? Lafleur replies, a salvage vessel, searching for a famous lost wreck. It's an old slaver out of Portsmouth, England, called the Black Rock. You heard Good of her? Good cover. Good cover. Yes, that was great. Yeah. Amazing improv. Yeah, yep, yep. Horace says, Horace says, can't say that I have, as Lafleur sips his milk. Horace wants to know why they wandered through the jungle after they washed ashore. Lafleur tells them they, they lost some of their people and went looking for them. A skeptical Horace clears his throat, removes his glasses, and says, Well, I'll tell you what, Jim. If your crew shows up, we'll send them along with you. There's a submarine that leaves this island first thing in the morning. You and your friends, you're going to get on it. It's going to drop you off in Tahiti. You can find your way home from there. As Horace leaves, Lafleur says, Saving Amy's life should buy them a week or two to find their people. But a decisive Horace says, Nope. Only people that are allowed to stay on this compound are members of the Dharma Initiative. And look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Please, Jim, but you're not Dharma material. <laughs> wow. Outside, Faraday, Miles, Juliet, and Jin sit around a patio table in the barracks compound, surrounded by conversations and laughter of Dharma Initiative residents. Miles says, we're screwed. He's probably trying to explain time travel by now. <laughs> Juliet thinks Sawyer will be fine. <laughs> Miles notices she's staring at something and asks about it. She says, I lived here for over three years. That was my house over there. Miles seems surprised Juliet was in the Dharma ship. She says, no, the others took over these barracks and wiped out most of the people living in them. They brought me here in a sub a long time after that. Miles wel welcomes her home. And Jin says in broken English, Daniel, no more flash. Faraday says, no, no more flash. The record is spinning again. We're just not on the song we want to be on. And they, you know, I, I, I actually don't know who directed this episode, but uh, he, he or she uses the spinny camera to illustrate this point. Ah, uh, yes. They are like around his head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I like to call the Avengers camera. Oh, yeah. Just then he the said, just then <laughs> did Daniel you say, spots wait, a small... Did you say the Avengers camera? Yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking of I, the shot in the first Avengers movie where it's like, mm-hmm. Agreed. That's exactly uh, right. <laughs> Just then, Daniel spots a small red-headed girl speaking to her mother in a British accent. He whispers, oh, boy. Charlotte. <laughs> <"This is laughs> <oof> <laughs> <laughs> I know who Daniel's fuck for this episode is. And he, and he feels a, shame, <laughs> a shameful thing in his pants. Oh, <clears throat> oh gross. God. No, that's Horace. That's Horace, exactly right. It yeah. is Horace. Uh... Mark Goldman directed this episode. There you go. FYI. Horace walks up uh, to Sawyer. Or sorry, Hor Horace walks up with Sawyer and says, Hello, somebody will be along shortly to show you to your rooms. In the meantime, Mr. LeFleur here can fill you in on the situation. Horace leaves and Miles says, Mr. LeFleur. <laughs> Sawyer replies, it's Creole. I improvised. <laughs> what? Believe my Why story. did he want something Creole? What? Because he's from the Deep South. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems weird that he's like, it's Creole. 
Yeah. I thought I, that was, I really liked that. I thought that was very funny. Maybe he's explaining, like, it's not a made up word. Like, it's an actual name. It's Creole. Mm. Maybe that's what he meant. I don't it's know. It's actually just French. I think that it but... would have been yeah. easier if he said his name is James Sawyer. Right. Like, why not? Because they all yeah, already yeah, know he, him. Nobody knows to remember. Him. Nobody knows him. Right. Yeah. Anyway, the fleur. Uh,. So he continues, but we're getting punted. The bastard's putting us on their sub tomorrow and shipping us off to Tahiti. Miles wonders how that's bad news, just as an alarm starts blaring. People around them start running and encourage Team Blackrock to follow. They all stand there confused until Phil runs up and says, Come on, get inside, move. They all run into the barracks compound. Juliet bursts through a house door, followed by Sawyer, Jin, Phil, Miles, and Faraday. A lone woman stands in the kitchen, peering out the window, a rifle lifted and at the ready. Phil tells her to keep an eye on them and then leaves. The alarm stops and Heather returns her attention to the kitchen window. Sawyer looks cautiously out the living room window and Juliet joins him. In the distance, a man carrying a lighted torch enters the barracks through the tree line. He plants Uh his torch in the grassy lawn and proceeds toward the houses. As he gets closer, we can see it's Richard fucking Alpert. He's back! <laughs> Got to be the best dressed savage that has ever. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Always dapper. When you don't age, you. Dude is looking slick. <laughs> Juliet winces and then turns towards Sawyer, who says, "Uh oh." <laughs> I love it. The front door of a house opens and Horace comes out, walking out with his hands in his Dharma jumpsuit. He says, "Hello, Mr. Alpert," and Richard replies, "Hello, Mr. Goodspeed." Horace says Alpert should have announced his visit because they would have turned the fences off. Richard, Richard says, that fence may keep other things out, but not us. What? The only thing that does keep us out, Horace, is our truce, which you've now broken. Horace denies knowledge of a broken truce, and Richard inquires about his men, while Miles peers out the window. Miles can't hear them, but watches Richard raise a finger, and then Horace raises his hand in a lively debate. Miles turns to the group and suggests getting on the submarine isn't that bad of an idea. Sawyer replies, hold your horses, Banzai. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just going to breeze past that one. Oh, no. (laughs) No one's getting on a sub. Just then, Horace bursts through the door with Phil close behind him and says, okay, LaFleur, how well did you bury those bodies? Sawyer replies, well, that depends on how hard he looks. We put like three rocks and six leaves over them, but it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) We put the picnic blanket over them. (laughs) (laughs) Horace sighs and tells Phil to call the arrow and to let them know they're at condition one and Uh and need to take the heavy ordinance and ensure the fence is at maximum. Whoa. Wow. Phil agrees and leaves just as Sawyer asks to speak to Hoyer's buddy with the eyeliner. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, though. I love this acknowledgement. Why didn't Horace go, how the fuck do you know what his eyes look like? (laughs) Hello. Got, hey, I'm a, I'm a salvage captain. I got good eyes. Yeah, I'm, Cre- I'm Creole. We're known for right. our keen night oh. vision. Okay. All right. Or that mm. it's just hell of an eyeliner in the dark through the window, twenty feet oh, yeah. away. But oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> That's very funny because I feel like that is totally a nod to like I don't know. I just remember at the time the fandom everyone was talking about. Like, why does why is this guy wearing eyeliner? Uh-huh. <laughs> we, uh huh. We. I think we went over. That in one episode, I can't remember if I made it a fun fact or not, but uh, we looked it up and he, it's just what he looks like, but he said he's dealt with that his whole life and that he was actually bullied Uh as a child 
for like quote unquote yeah. wearing makeup. Uh, it's really interesting because Being now so it's so gorgeous. Right. Yeah, I was and that, say, it's very striking and he's such right. a yeah. handsome man. Like, never yeah. aging. And also that never aging. Those thing bullies I, feel stupid now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I plowed all their girlfriends. So Sawyer wants to tell the eyeliner guy that he was that he was the one who killed his men. Horace says he can't let him do that. So Sawyer says, "Well, it's a good thing I ain't asking your permission." <laughs> Sawyer pushes past Horace, where where Juliet gently stops him to ask if he knows what he's doing. Sawyer confirms he does not, but we'll figure something out. <laughs> oh, I love it. He marches out to Richard and addresses him by name. Richard asks if they know each other, and Sawyer says, "I'm the guy that killed your men." Heard some gunshots, saw th- two men throwing a bag over a woman's head. Gave him a chance to throw the weapons down and walk away, but one of them took a shot at me and I defended myself. Alpert wonders if Sawyer's people know he's telling them this. Uh, telling him this. And Sawyer says they aren't his people. So if there was a truce with them, it hasn't been broken. If he isn't with the Dharma Initiative, Alpert wants to know who Sawyer is. Sawyer says, did you bury the bomb? The hydrogen bomb with Jughead written on the side. Did what? you bury it? Oh, oh boy. Alpert stares at Sawyer with interest, and Sawyer continues, Yeah, I know about it. I also know that 20 years ago, some ball fella limped into your camp and fed you some mumbo jumbo about being your leader. And then poof, he w- and then poof, he went and disappeared right in front of you. Any of this ringing a bell? That man's name is John Locke, and I'm waiting for him to come back. So, you still think I'm a member of the damn Dharma Initiative? Woo! Alpert replies, No, I guess I don't. But no matter who you are, Two of my men are dead, and my people need some kind of justice. Now, what are we going to do about that? Moments later, Horace and Sawyer enter Amy's house, where she sits mournfully over Paul's dead body. She asks if the hostiles are gone, and Horace tells her they aren't. He says, we told him where the bodies were. It was the only way to maintain the truce. Jim here worked it out with him, but, well, he's going to need something from us now. He needs to take Paul's body back with him. Why? I I, 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 don't guess, I don't know. Hungry? I guess food. Proof Hungry. That, proof that one of the Dharma is dead too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's the only thing that makes sense to for me. One. Gesture of a sacrifice of, of some sort, something like that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the only like not ghoulish sort of option I can think of. Everything yeah. else is sort of like yeah, but yeah, I would think it was just a, just evidence that there's some balance in the in the trading of lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Amy gasps and cries as Horace kneels beside her and says, we've been friends for a long time, yeah? So this is completely your choice. If you don't want to give them to them, then we will suffer the consequences. Amy Way looks at Sawyer. to manipulate a widow. No yeah. shit. Yeah, he's yeah. real slimy here. Amy looks at Sawyer and then says they can have the body because Paul would want to keep them safe. She asks for a minute and Horace gives her some privacy. Sniffling and sighing, she removes a wooden ankh necklace from around Paul's neck and oh. then gets up to leave. Mm. Sawyer says, I'm sorry as Amy passes by him, and then asks Horace if he needs help. Horace says he's got it, and then adds, Hey, Jim, the sub leaving tomorrow morning. It returns in two weeks. Until then, you can stay and look for the rest of your crew. Thanks, Horace. All right. And they look down at Paul's feet, and they see he only has four toes on each foot. (laughs) (laughs) Moments later, Sawyer finds Juliet looking over the water where the submarine Galaga is docked. He tells her that he bought them two weeks and, hopefully, Locke will be back by then. Juliet says, and then what? Sawyer seems confused, and Juliet turns to look at him. She says, Locke said he was leaving to save us. Flashes have stopped. They're over. No more bloody noses. We're already saved. That sub behind you brought me here. 
I've been trying to get off of this island for more than three years, and now I've got my chance. Sawyer looks devastated as Juliet says, I'm going to leave. Sawyer reminds her that it's 1974, and there's nothing to go back to. I think that's the first time we get confirmation of the year, right? Uh, yes, I think so. Verbally, yeah. You know mm-hmm. the general so. era, but yeah. He, yeah. He must have just seen it on a calendar or something. <laughs> sure, yeah. That would be kind of an awkward question to ask. You know? Oh, what year is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Juliet says there's that's not a reason not to go. So Sawyer says, well, what about me? You really going to leave me here with the mad scientist and Mr. I speak to dead people? <laughs> and Jin, who's a hell of a nice guy, but not exactly the greatest conversationalist. Oh, my God. Juliet, Juliet smiles and says he'll be fine. But a very sincere Sawyer asks, maybe. But who's going to get my back? Aww. I touch Juliet, looks at him, and he gives her a self-conscious smile and says, come on, just give me two weeks. That's all I'm asking. Two weeks. Juliet wow. smiles and agrees to two weeks. They both smile and look out over the water. Three years later. So yes, back in what we now know as 1977, after the longest two weeks of Juliet's life. <laughs> it's a beautiful day, and Lafleur, who may I say is wearing a groovy shirt. Absolutely. Is, Purple uh, paisley. Is, stro- mm-hmm. uh, is strolling down a path through the barracks. He notices a dainty yellow flower, picks it, sniffs it, and smiles. Such a, like, oh, an idyllic feel to the scene. Yes. Yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> A moment later, he enters a barracks home where the table is set for dinner with a vase full of flowers and some Dharma wine. He says, hmm, something smells good. Juliet, moving pasta from the pot to the strainer, says, hey there. The counters are covered with food prep. Sawyer leans against the wall and then presents the flower he picked with a smile across his face. Juliet throws her arms open and says, is that for me? He tells her she was amazing today as she takes the flower and hugs him. Ooh. She says, thank you for believing in me, and then plants a kiss on his lips. He kisses her back, and she says, I love you. So he replies, I love you, too. And I don't think it's a con. They're just setting this up. It's so, uh, you know, they they make it look so perfect and feel so good because, you know, they're about to flip it on you. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second you watch the scene, you're like, all right, so Kate's going to be back soon? Is that what we're so yeah, exactly. <laughs> he pulls a flower. He picks up a flower. And you're like, "Oh, that's cute." He walks in. The second you see Juliet's there, it's like, "Oh, Kate's back." <laughs> yeah, he's not allowed to be happy. Yep, <laughs> yep. Well, it looks like they had a wonderful three years. So Sawyer's now wearing his glasses and reading a book in a comfy chair. Horace wakes up on the couch beside him. He's groaning and holding his head when Lafleur tells him there's good news and bad news. Horace asks for the good news, and Lafleur says, "You're a daddy." Bad news is you missed it. Boop. Horace is shocked. Lafleur smiles and says, it's a boy. Horace puts a glass of ice water to his head, and Lafleur inquires about the exploding trees. <laughs> Horace says, I was, uh, I was looking for a pair of socks, and all of mine were dirty. So I went, went to grab a pair of Amy's, and I found this. He, pulls he must have ankle. small feet. What? Yeah, or I was Amy's, thinking Amy's that got too. huge ones. Yeah, if he can, yeah. Yeah, she has big feet. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, he he pulls Paul's ankh necklace from the breast pocket of his jumpsuit. Lafleur seems annoyed. They got into a fight over a necklace. Horace acknowledges the stupidity, but says it's only been three years, Jim. Just three years that he's been gone. Is that really long enough to get over someone? Oh boy. Lafleur ponders this momentarily, sighs, and then says, "I had a thing for a girl once." And I had a shot at her, but I didn't take it. For a little while, I'd lay in bed every night, wonder if it was a mistake. 
wondering if I'd ever stop thinking about her. And now I can barely even remember what she looks like. I mean, her face, it's, she's just gone. And she ain't never coming back. So is three years long enough to get over someone? Absolutely. And I know I wasn't the only one. I know I wasn't the only one thinking here. Like, those are kind of different situations. (laughs) Your husband dying versus your crush leaving. Yeah. 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 Definitely different. And also, like, immediately all you can think is like, oh, is that so? Sawyer, well, let's test that theory. (laughs) Let's test that. (laughs) Early the next morning, Sawyer and Juliet are asleep in their bed. The phone rings and, and Juliet tugs at Sawyer to get him to answer it. Sawyer grunts and then crawls over Juliet to pick up the phone. Did anyone else notice the pillow kind of like knocks the phone off the hook here? And so, <laughs> no, I didn't notice <laughs> that. No, yeah, I didn't. it's a bit of a blooper, but it kind of goes up and down again. And I'm like, oh, he just hung up that phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, he answers it and says, "What? Wait, what? No, don't bring him in. Just meet me in the North Valley." Sawyer retrieves his glasses from the dresser and snags a jumpsuit from the closet. Juliet is asking him what's going on. As he turns to leave, he tells her it was Jin on the phone. She wants to know if everything is okay. And he says, yeah, I just, I got to go. Uh-oh. Sawyer, Sawyer drives a blue Dharma initiative Jeep up to the North Valley, just as the early morning light illuminates the shoreside meadow. Because that's where valleys are, by the shore. yeah that doesn't make sense at all does it no it doesn't once again the location scouts they were like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) he parks the jeep and gets out as a blue dharma van arrives the passenger door opens and hurley steps out wearing a jean jacket and carrying a guitar case jack steps out of the back in his suit and gives sawyer a little nod 1977 hurley looks as somber as we've ever seen him Sawyer stares at them in amazement and anticipation. As Kay steps out from behind Hurley, he pulls his glasses from his face. She's wearing a tank top and black pants. Her hair is pulled back like in season one, and her freckles are freckling. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Sawyer is mesmerized as she looks right at him. Their eyes lock, and and Sawyer stares in awe as his hair blows in the breeze. Threesome. Boom. (laughs) Lost. End of episode. Wow. What what an ending. Holy shit. Seriously, what an ending. Did not expect that. Yeah, it it really, like, uh, it says a lot, right? Because now we know with the... Imaginary uh, time. Yeah, imaginary time. But with the Ajira, like, Flight 316, like, half of the people are in 2007 on Hydra Island, and these guys ended up in 1977. Like, what the fuck? It's pretty cool. Anybody want to do some not-so-fun facts? I say only because... Um, we are actually going to talk about Horace's pedophilia today. I thought it would Day. be. Mm. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you guys need to explain this one to me because I don't know. Um, well, that's it's the this. actor, not the character. The actor's yeah. a pedo. Get out of here. Oh, uh, in a way. So, What's the actor's name? Uh, Doug Hutchinson. Oh, I do know about this. He married <laughs> yeah. the fucking plastic lady, right? I remember okay. this. So we're going to get into it because uh, our fun facts are on on grooming. Yes. And that lady, as as you referred to her, Courtney Stodden, uh, is non-binary and uh, does use she or they pronouns. At the time that this happened, she was identifying only um, as a woman because she was a child and um, 
had not come to that yet. So here's what we're going to talk about grooming today. And you know what? This, uh, by the way, episode comes out on Valentine's Day, which uh, was kind of a coincidence that I realized that Sawyer and and, uh, Juliet's love story was going to come out on Valentine's Day. But now we're going to talk about some non-romantic relationship. In May 20th, 2011, Doug Hutchinson, also known as Horace, was 51 years old when he married his third spouse, Courtney Stodden, who was 16. At the time. Um, yeah, I did some research on this and kind of some of the stuff that I found. Um, this is solely my opinion, but it appeared to me that Courtney's mother was sort of like a Hollywood mom and was a little bit of uh, supporting some things that I don't think like a child should have been doing. So she'd been modeling since a child. She was a child. She had a website that was pretty racy. Um, by the age of 16 um, with some of her modeling. Um, On her website at 16, she was also listed as 36, 23, 35 at 5 foot 3 inches. Um, And she hosted a cable access TV show produced by like a North Beach community TV or something. She was winning pageants and stuff. So she was sort of like, you know, a pageant kid. And it looked to me like, It didn't shock me that she was able to be um, groomed into this relationship. So according to Doug Hutchinson... She had been groomed her whole life. That's what I'm saying. It's like she was already primed sort of, I think, by the the parent. And and it just... Then she was just passed off. And as you will learn, um, her mother did sanction... Oof. The relationship. Damn. Um, Yeah. So according to Hutchinson... Um, His agent quit, his family disowned him, received death threats, and he was labeled a pedophile as a result of this marriage. He's quoted as saying, and when it comes to my marriage with Courtney, I take full responsibility. She was 16 and I was 50, so I knew our union was going to turn heads, but I didn't realize the impact it would truly have. I didn't realize that in marrying Courtney, my manager would drop me, my agent would drop me. I was blacklisted. I was blackballed from casting directors. I shot my career in the head for love. (laughs) At first, Courtney and I kind of rode on it. Once it was public, our marriage, and we started getting that backlash, instead of running away from it, we decided to embrace it. We got a lot of hate mail. I got death threats. We were both called vicious names and seen as villains in the press. Instead of running away from it, we decided to embrace it. We thought, we're in love. Deal with it. If you don't like it, that's your prerogative. But we're in love. I'm not sure why none of us truthfully expected the tidal wave. We are certainly not the first May-December romance, especially in Hollywood. And the same people who called her a slut, a whore, and a gold digger forgot they were throwing insult after insult to a 16-year-old. It's hard to hear him try to defend her while he was also, like, violating her. It's pretty, pretty fucked up. That is some mental gymnastics there to literally take her. Yeah. age as mm-hmm. like this is why you shouldn't be treating her this way but could be completely like missing the f- that out to yeah, his that, own behavior like it's, right. it's unbelievable. Yeah. unbelievable really yeah really yes really pretty incredible he went on to say Courtney and I uh, got married legally in a church to consummate our union one of the reasons I fell in love with Courtney is that one of the things we did have in common is that we are Christians We talked about that a lot in our initial email exchanges. I was raised Catholic. I fell out of my faith for a long time. And then when we married, we went to church together. 
We became very close with the pastor and his wife. Those were some of the most wonderful memories I have of being married to Courtney. Our Sundays. That was our ritual. So. Um, I just feel like, should the pastor have have not done that? I don't know. Maybe not. It's God's will. Mm, yeah, something like that. So, Courtney has since written a book, um, and that book, oh shit, I lost the title. I, I'll find it in a second. But she does um, talk a lot about, uh, in hindsight, how she was and did feel groomed. But going into it, um, she initially, what happened was that she initially emailed him like some kind of fan mail he claims she claims he contacted her through her website and initiated contact. I don't know that anybody has discerned uh, the truth on that. But um, basically, uh, he says he fell in love with her. He thought that she was in her late 20s, didn't know that she was 16 until he fell in love with her, and then messaged her mother and said that he was in love with her daughter. And um, the email that he sent, to the mother said, I know this is crazy, but your 16-year-old daughter and I are falling for each other, and I need you and your husband to be aware of this. If it makes you uncomfortable, I will step away. And at this point, the mother emailed him back and said, Doug, I've been monitoring every email between you and Courtney. You've been nothing but stand-up, honest, and respectful to our daughter. We have absolutely no problem with this at all. And once the parents came the green light, they pursued the relationship. Um, I don't. Wow. I, All of I, the adults in the situation I, completely failed this poor child. Yes, and Absolutely. she does. She does write about that, and and does say that um, later. So, uh, they got married after a few months, um, and most of that contact was online. So, pretty much once they met in person, uh, they just got married. Um. Here's an interesting quote, I thought, from Doug Hutchinson. When asked why he married her after only months of courting, mostly online, Hutchinson said... Didn't want her to get too old. (laughs) No, no, this is interesting, and I don't know if it's truthful or not, but he's, he's throwing a bit of a responsibility barb here. He says, I couldn't even conceive that it was possible... Uh, until Courtney and Krista revealed, Krista is her mother, I'm sorry. Courtney and Krista revealed to me that there were certain states in our country that would allow someone in our situation to get married with parental consent, like Nevada. So it sounds a little bit like he's trying to frame it as though, you know, her mother was basically, it was her idea and she was passing me off. Could be true, could not be true, regardless both of the adults, all of the adults in this situation are just disgusting. Um, so, so after this, uh, the obviously the relation relationship was like completely rocky, um, and they ended up going. They couldn't make money, like he said, he got blackballed. Um, so they ended up going on a reality show about uh, couples therapy and agreed to have a therapist, uh, basically like on television. And they entered sort of the world of, like, reality, TV, celebrity, or whatever. Uh, The show was called Couples Therapy, and it depicted celebrity couples undergoing counseling for relationship problems. Um, And the... I don't know how I feel about the therapist, because she kind of, like, praised the relationship, I guess. 
Anyways, here's how it fell apart. They got married May 20th in 2011. By November of 2013, they announced they were following, filing for divorce. August of 2014, they announced they had reconciled. May of 2016, they announced the couple was expecting their first child. <sighs> August of 2016, around 12 weeks into the pregnancy, they announced a miscarriage. May of 2016, they renewed their vows. January of 2017, they separated but were still living together. And in March of 2018, Courtney filed for divorce, which was finalized March of 2020. In regards to the marriage, Hutchinson claims, or excuse me, in regards to the miscarriage, Hutchinson claims the entire thing was faked. He says, I couldn't get a job to save my life in Hollywood anymore. I was blacklisted. We did get a couple of reality shows that kept us afloat for a bit. We had burned through all of my savings. I went bankrupt. We were trying to build her credit. We were desperate. Honestly, I don't even know if we could have paid the rent next month. It got that severe. So Courtney came up with a strategy. I don't blame her for this. I don't blame her for anything. It might sound odd, but I still love Courtney very, very much. I'm not in love with her anymore, but I do wish her the best. I'm not trying to blame her, but it was her idea. She wanted to convince the public that she was hmm. pregnant so we can get paid for interviews and possibly a reality show. It was all about survival. It was oh all about a way to make rent, to pay bills. It was desperation. Again, don't know what thought to about believe maybe just there. Getting a job. I, yeah. I, yeah, right, right. God. Like it, it's like if I can't Seriously. act, I can't work. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, go and, and sorry, get reality it. TV. That's not acting. That's being a shill. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine once you're kind of in the door of Hollywood, like you can't really conceive of yourself being outside of it. You know what I mean? Those, uh, yeah, these people are I, egotistical I, on a certain level. Yeah, they, they are. They, they, they feel, feel narcissism. Right. I'm too good for a regular job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. So I saved uh, Courtney's quotes for last um, because I uh, think, honestly, that her voice is the most important in this. So in 2021, she publicly stated uh, that her marriage was a result of Hutchinson's grooming. She said, I felt completely trapped, manipulated, and at times abandoned by adults growing up in such an environment. It became a lonely and dark place. I've been scared to even speak up about feeling groomed or being verbally abused during the almost 10-year marriage because I was a child and he was 50 when we married. But I'm now a woman and it's time for me to put my big girl pants on and speak on this matter. If it didn't happen, I feel like my whole outlook on life would be so different. Experiences that are traumatizing can either break us or we can utilize them to shape us into a stronger individual. And that's really one of the main reasons why I'm speaking out is because I want past victims and survivors to really tap into the part of themselves. We are so strong. It's just really made me very fearless. And on Instagram, Courtney made a post that spoke directly to Hutchinson, and it said, You've left me, a child woman, feeling belittled and confused. These things I shall overcome. I wish you well. But please don't ever do this to another minor again. It's not right, even if the parent signs off. 
Wait a respectable amount of time before marrying. Children aren't on your level. I'll always love you regardless. Be better, as shall I. So that's the story, Dave. It's pretty fucking crazy. Wow. Yeah. But you know, wow. the age of consent is 16 in about half the state still. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Um, and I just honestly. Delaware can't. up until 1880, it was nine. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Yeah. Yeah. Nine? Puritans. In uh, Afghanistan, it's puberty still. Well, I mean, in the in the Quran, Muhammad marries Aisha when she's six and consum- consummates. Oh, six. Marries her when she's six, consummates it when she's nine. So, yeah, actually. Uh, but back then, she she probably looked like she was like 25 at that point. <laughs> People aged quickly Gross. back then. Gross. You look at King Tut. He got married like at 11 or something and yeah. died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He ruled as a child. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um. Anyway, this so a, uh, this is a bold stance, but uh, don't marry kids. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Um. Don't don't fuck them either. Like either. Of those yeah. Two. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to. I've since since we've got into the scenes, you know, where we're seeing Horace. I've planned to kind of bring this up because. I you know I thought that it was an important topic and and the topic. I remember of we talked about grooming. this earlier in the season yeah series. we mentioned like that he he was yeah. gross and had done this but um i wanted to talk a little bit more about it and then also give uh courtney a bit of a voice because what um they went through is just i mean it's just disgusting like that your parents the fact are supposed that her to, parents were yeah. okay with it yeah Piece like they should be protecting you from predators and explaining to you as a child like when a man who's 50 is doing this this is not appropriate like it's just like holy fuck anyways her parents just, some- just saw her as a paycheck. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and that's what I meant when I Jerry saw Lee like, Lewis. Yeah, you know? like the whole child star thing and and all of it. It just seemed that way. And you know, he when they married, like he had just been on the biggest show on television. And I think, yeah, I think mom saw like dollar signs at how they didn't think that would backfire. That like people would be like, oh, yeah, After this that, is he great. Really didn't yeah. do shit. Yeah. No, he was. It was. He was destroyed as he should have been. It's disgusting. Um, yeah, so let's do some best and worst moments. I'm going to start with Christy. What'd you think of, uh, Le Fleur? Well, I would say best moments, um, Sawyer and Juliet's faces when Amy's baby is delivered safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and Richard Alpert's face when Sawyer asks him if he buried the bomb. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I like that That was too. pretty great. Um, worst moment, Horace being a total asshole about Amy having Paul's necklace, you know, like even if she was over him, he, she was a widow. Of course she would have some, you know, physical objects in connection to the person who she was married to. So it's not like she like had the necklace of some guy that she had an affair with or something like that. Like it was her fucking husband who died. Well, and it's. She wasn't even wearing it. It was in her sock drawer. He's just an insecure little man. Yeah. If you're Um, jealous of a dead husband, you have some serious fucking problems. That's fucked up. Yeah. Um, And then I said it before Juliet's face when Daniel tells her that Charlotte died. Um, But then also Daniel's face when he sees baby Charlotte um, just kind of got me. So those were my best and worst moments. All right. Ben, what about you? 
My best and worst moment were the same. Oh. That was Horace lighting a piece of dynamite <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> Pretty That's great. valid. That's valid. Good what about answer. you, Dave? Um, okay, so a lot of my my best moments were mostly just the zingers. A lot of honorable mentions: Coconut Telegraph, Miles calling the group out <laughs> on their lack of ideas. So uh-huh. you're saying they'll build new stuff. Juliet's quick draw, I thought was really dope. Uh-huh. And, right. Uh huh. And Miles, Miles saying, "By now he's probably explaining time travel to him." So good. All great. A lot uh, of great nuggets. But my favorite in this one. one. Yeah. But my favorite one, for some reason, it just made me chuckle the most was when Sawyer goes, "It's Creole," <laughs> because. <laughs> Because he see, he seemed it was it was such a vulnerable moment for Sawyer because he seemed so self conscious that he just had to explain himself uh, somehow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Got like, because like, it's like I know what I'm doing, guys. Okay, it's, it's Creole. Like nobody was asking that. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. My worst moment. Uh, Lost this. Lost can be quite lousy with tropes. It makes sense for the the TV and the time. Yeah. Um, but there was a trope in this one that I'm going to call Chekhov's pregnancy, where if a character appears pr- unexpectedly pregnant they're going to have that baby early. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, I, I just found it super, just found it super corny when her, she starts to go into labor and he goes, Oh hell, like just uh-huh. very, very corny. Yeah. Worst Agreed. Uh, my best moment was the entire flower picking sequence. This sort of transformation of the traumatized con man to this, groovy 70s guy taking time to sniff the flowers it's just amazing and i loved every second of it so you're living the american dream yeah it's really good there oh it's so good (laughs) yeah um you know i really had a hard time with a worst moment i just really love the episode and so i think i forgive some of the the little things so I I didn't have one. I just Lafleur. I think it's it's one of my uh, favorites of the series. So, what about you, Derek? Did you have uh, best and worst? <clears throat> yeah, my best moment was uh, the scene with Sawyer and Albert. You know, Sawyer just Ooh, basically yeah. telling him like it is, and uh-huh. just the look at Albert's face when he's realized, wait a minute, this guy's you know something. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows about the Bob. He knows about the crazy ball guy. Right. And um, worst moment, yeah, I had a hard time finding one, but yeah, Horace getting pissed off about the necklace was, you know, just stupid. Yeah, that's but true. It was actually I guess a really that's... good episode. There really weren't yeah. any worst moments in it. Yeah. All right. Let's do some power rankings. Um, how about we start with Ben? What'd you have this week? Um, let's see. So my... Uh, bottom i only had two on the bottom second worst i actually had amy goodspeed Ooh, i don't know i don't know what it is about her i mean and maybe it started off with the with the pregnancy trope um but something about her character something about something about her just really really puts me off i'm not sure exactly what that is but she just really grated on my nerves the entire episode um, over the earplugs as well yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Um, i saw that coming Worst Horace, um, partially because Horace, but also partially because in real life he's a pedo. So I had a little trouble <laughs> separating the character from the actor in this yeah. in this case. But you know, there's no hard and Jeffrey fast rules here, so fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
at the top, I've got in third place, I got Richard Alpert uh, for the same reasons, like just his expression when uh, when Sawyer was talking to him was was pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, mm-hmm. Second place, I've got Sawyer. And in first place, I've got Juliet because Juliet was sort of she you saw the full spectrum of her. You know, she went from being reassuring to being sweet to being lethal. Just everything that 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 is required of her character. She kind of delivers in spades. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for that reason, I'm also going to plow Juliet this week because, <laughs> yeah. Romantic. Now, Happy I'm going Valentine's to kill Day. Jerry. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. exactly. You're mad uh, at that's Jerry? Right. I'm going to kill Jerry, but I'm going to kill Jerry only because the the actor Kevin Rankin was also in uh, Breaking Bad. He played one of like Uncle Jack's, oh, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know, what, what were they oh, sort yeah. of... Um, Aryan Brotherhood sort of hick dudes with a mustache or whatever, and he's greasy and just gross. Mm-hmm. So again, having trouble sort of separating the characters from other. So characters you're killing a Breaking Bad character this week. <laughs> I'm killing a Breaking Bad character because he he was so gross he needed to die twice. Okay, that's valid. Christy, what do your rankings look like? So uh, at the third, we're doing third place first, right? For the worst, yeah, yeah. Okay, so third place, Horace's hair. It, yep. Well, yeah. I had a hard time, <laughs> hard time looking at him. Mm-hmm. Um, in second place, I have Phil. He just, I just don't care for him. Um, <laughs> and then the worst of the worst is Horace. Um, mm-hmm. In my top three, I actually have Miles in third place. Oh, wow. he's, he's not awful here, <laughs> no, you know, like especially. In the 1970s, he's just kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you're the boss. Uh, right. He's just going along with everything and not not being a dick. He's acknowledged um, his place. Exactly. Yes. I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna predict. I'm. I'm gonna predict. We might see Miles uh, a few more times in the top in the next few episodes because his his centric episode is coming up. So they give. You know how they do that. They ramp up a character. You see more of them. You get little pieces, and then you get their episode. Uh, so in the, in the next few, uh, you know, Miles, he's, he gets a lot of the good lines, and he's very much like you're describing. So I, I, I think he might uh, yeah. end up in the top a little bit. Yeah. Do we see yeah. some of his formative, I see dead people sort yes. of years? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited um, for his episode. It's It's really good. And he's got some good banter coming up with a certain jean-jacketed individual that's just returned from the uh, to the island. Indeed, <laughs> oh. indeed, a new buddy comedy coming up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, in second place, I have Sawyer. He was awesome in this episode. I loved him in this episode, um, and I only put him in second place because Juliet is in first place for me. Mm-hmm. She actually saved lives in this episode. Um, true. So aside from her being super awesome, she she saved lives. So she's number one um, for my fuck. Uh, Juliet and uh, Sawyer looked super cozy in that bed together. So I'm just going to get in there with them. Um, and <laughs> then make gonna... this awkward, y'all. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I will kill Horace's hair. <laughs> yeah. Um. I also had Horace's hair as my third worst. Yeah. And um, the next two, it's going to seem out of order, 
and out of proportion because I, I I put the pedo only in second worst, and I put Phil as the worst because he said hoot nanny, and I really can't get over it. <laughs> <laughs> that word feels racist for some reason. Doesn't it? Yeah, right. it actually, I, yeah, yeah, no, I looked it up, and it's basically like like a folk festival is what a hoot nanny yeah. is. Um, it, sounds like just, a, it sounds like a minstrel show. Yeah, I just couldn't. I I, I really couldn't abide um, that. So he <laughs> he was my number one worst. Um, my top, I had Richard Alpert in third. Again, every time he shows up, he fascinates me, uh, gets me a little bit excited. I like the guy liner. <laughs> um, I had guy Juli- liner. There you go. Yeah, I had Juliet um, in, as second best. Um, I agree with your argument, Christy. I can see why you would put her at the top. For me, I had Sawyer at the top, not only specifically because of what he did in this episode, but just to acknowledge like his enormous growth uh, in the last three years. Um, and I, I appreciate that from Sawyer. I'm also going to fuck Sawyer and Richard Albert. I'm going to be deep in guy liner and body grease, and I'm going to love every second of it. <laughs> and I actually, I'm also killed horse's hair because I can't, I couldn't take it either. I mean, it was just too much. I'm like, you don't have a hair tie or and something? Like, what are you doing, Horace? Yeah, but he was growing, like he was growing it out for his new girlfriend. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Oh, boy. Charlotte. <laughs> Dave. Oh, God. Char- oh, God. Dave, <laughs> why don't you give us your rankings that, as we remember now, do mm-hmm. count? Yeah. Okay, so at number three, I had Faraday. So I'm... Uh, I kind of knock him down a few pegs. Um, Why? You thought mostly because he's sad about Charlotte. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you don't like Charlotte, do you? Okay. Mostly because he's sad about Charlotte, and nobody should be sad about Charlotte. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, which wow. brings me to my kill, who is, which brings me to my kill, who is Charlotte as a child, because we can just avoid <laughs> this whole, we can avoid everything. You and Lacey child killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he was so worried. He's like, "Oh, I, I got this controversial uh, thing," but when I saw it and I told Ben, I was like, "Ah, <laughs> Dave killed a child, and he doesn't know that Aaron's been in the bottom for like five weeks." <laughs> <laughs> My number two worst is uh, Horace, and this is—I had totally forgotten about the pedo thing. I just picked him because he was real. He's trying to be like a real sleazy widow fucker in that one scene. Oh. I thought. Making moves on Amy and Paul's body's not even cold. But now it's funny because (laughs) Horace is like, could anyone be more sleazier? And Doug Hutchinson is like, hold my beer. Yeah. Yeah, Amy's too old. Yeah. Oh, yes. Hold my Dharma initiative beer. Oh, God. Uh, Number one, I got the intern doctor because come on, buddy, you're an internist. You're never going to make obstetrician that way. (laughs) Get in there. (laughs) Get stuck in there. And you're a shitty actor. Oh my gosh. Um, so I want to go on to my fuck here because uh, I try not to double up. So this uh-huh. is why this person is not in my top three, but she was awesome. And ah. I also want to address the allegations that I uh, only fuck men on this podcast, which is probably <laughs> up until now been true. Yeah. But this week, this week I'm going with my boner uh, and I'm fucking Juliet because <laughs> she was hot in this episode, man. Yeah. She like that quick draw was amazing yeah. mm-hmm. where she shot the dude. And also mm-hmm. there's something about, and this is kind of something I think I just realized about myself today. But like a lady oh. mechanic is hot. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Right, like some, yeah. something about it. And like, as I'm speaking as someone who's not handy or like mechanically inclined at all, uh-huh. like I think it just kind of boils my potato. You know. How very um, Irish of you. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 from The Simpsons. You uh, you won't be here uh, with us next week uh, when we do Namaste, but um, I'm not going to spoil it for Derek, but there's going to be some more uh, sexy mechanic uh, stuff going on there, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So anyway, yeah, all the recognitions about the Juliet, like if, if there was any justice in the world, she would be in my top three, but apparently my wanting to have sex with her excludes her from that. So Got it. We're uh, st- st- still struggling with that sexism. Okay, so my top three <laughs> characters are, are men, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Number three is Richard Alpert, like a lot uh, of people. Uh, yeah. What I really liked about him in this episode is how badass he is. Because that fucking shot of him coming in and planting the, t- the torch, like on his own, no, no visible backup at least. Just like yeah. coming in, taking names and like... And like saying like, oh, the fucking the sonic fences, they can't keep me out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what did he do? Did he burrow under somewhere? <laughs> like, they, they, they're like, they're like the, they're like the Jews. He's immortal. In, he just can't die. They're like those Hacidic huh? Jews in New York. They're, they're, they're digging tunnels. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, do, you, do you guys remember that news? Not story? on Saturday. Amazing, amazing way to start the year. Uh, my number two is Sawyer, just because he was he rocked in this episode. In partic- I want to give particular mention to his improvisation about the uh, Black Rock. I was just like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That like yeah, that was well like done. He, yep. he absolutely. I mean, he 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 showed his credentials before. You know, he cited his credentials. I used to lie for a living, and he nailed it. He did yeah, great. Totally. Um, Though I feel like uh, he did number- sort of paint himself into a corner by saying he was the ship's captain. Mm-hmm. That 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 sort of claim might not live up to, or might not hold up to a whole lot of scrutiny. Um, yeah, if you had well, any, you know, maritime folks aboard the, on the island. Yeah, do you know mm-hmm. what a knot is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would have had to do a lot of, um, you know, like over those three years, especially within the first year, a lot of getting their story straight together, yeah, secret meetings right. and things like that. You know. Yeah. Um, I think Sawyer. I think like Sawyer somebody- knows his way around a boat, and I'll tell you why. Because he was conning wealthy women. Which means he's probably mm, out yeah. with them on their on their yachts or their sailboats or or whatever else. He's got the lingo because that's who he's going to be around is wealthy women with boats. So, yeah, same reason the- why Shannon knew how to tie knots because right. she was conning that's guys right, who had sailboats. Boinking, yeah. There's boinking. a difference yeah. between yeah. a salvage vessel and a sailboat, though. <laughs> well, yeah. No, 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 no. You're not unfurling yeah. your. You're not. You're not tacking in your fucking salvage vessel, like. No. I get it, but what I'm saying is like wow. he would just know maritime sort of terminology is going to be the same for those boats, I think. Yeah. yeah. Swapping the poop deck. Yes. You know, like you know I, thought, I thought I just had as well that I always like saw this as like a funny little character trait, but it actually makes a lot of sense for Sawyer is that he is a he is an avid reader. He's yeah. always reading novels. True. And you gotta, yes. you gotta think like uh, that's gotta be useful as a con man, right? Because you oh, yeah. read, you put yourself right. into the head of so many different characters that you can draw upon all the like fiction that you've read. Sure. There you go. He's yeah. read Moby Dick. We always see him reading a book. He's read yeah. Moby Dick. Yeah. He knows. Currently reading uh, Moby Dick. Yeah. You are you really? Yeah. That's a My weird coincidence. <laughs> Have you ever read it before? Or? No, no, first time. I'm almost I'm almost finished. Oh wow. I, I think we probably ever read that. I, I had to read, I read it, it in school. school. I remember school. Yeah. Like 10th or 11th grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we read it in 8th. It's a tough read. It is a yeah. tough read. Yeah. Um, 
My number one is Miles, uh, just because Yay! his his zinger ratio in this episode was was top notchy. I yeah. think in my all my honorable mentions for best moment earlier, like like most of them were him. So gotta yeah. give it to my boy Miles. All right. Derek, round us out. What do your rankings look like? All right, my second worst before I realized he was the the pedo was Horace. <laughs> Everybody wants to justify this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all just like saying the word pedo as well. Yeah, pedo. <laughs> worst was Phil just because he was a party pooper and a whine he whined too much. Yeah, trying to break up the hoot nanny. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're on the clock. And my third best was Juliet. You know, she saved lives, you know, including the baby. She delivered mm. a, a living baby finally. Second was Richard Alpert, just for being so calm, just strolling into the into the village, you know, with, and being cool about it. And his um, manliner, as you called it, guyliner. Guy liner, guy liner. <laughs> guy yeah, liner. he's like he's got like guyliner and BDE going on at the same time. <laughs> and my best was Sawyer because, you know, he came up with the plan. He used his skills to um, join the Dharma Initiative. And so they can stay on the island until Locke returns. And I'm going to oh. fuck Juliet. You know, that mechanic thing, you know, you, you got, yeah. on to, got on to, you're on to something there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. And I'm going to k- kill Horace's hair. <laughs> I love it. All A right. Lot of hair death this week. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, Horace's hair and Jack's. Beard. We'll have to see which which one got the most hate by the end of the series. All right. So, Ben, update us. Has Sawyer has he has he done it? Has he taken the lead from Daniel? Actually, I guess we'll start in the bottom. But yeah, let's start at the bottom where there is literally no change at God all. God damn it! Uh, we, and it hasn't really been. Yeah, the Child bottom is never. sort of frozen in place now because we, we we sort of hate fucked AA Ron early, and he's not in any of these episodes. So. <laughs> He, he's at, he's still at negative uh, 23 points. And then we still got Froger, oh, the flambe artist, negative 29 points. And Charles Widmore still in first with negative 31 points. Now the top has changed. Oh, we've got. Boy. Yeah. We have got, first of all, Locke dropping, not gaining or losing points, but dropping from second to third place, 49 points. Mm-hmm. We got Dan Faraday. Losing a point and dropping a, a slot from uh, first to second place now with 52 <laughs> points. And we've got Sawyer jumping from third place into a commanding first place lead Whoa. from 37 points to 62 points. Woo-wee. Yeah. He Good is a, he, he is a respected by men and he's, he's loved by women. So here he goes. <laughs> I respect him too. All right, congrats, Sawyer. <laughs> Let's see if you can hang on to it. Uh, Daniel's episode is still coming up this season, so it's going to be a horse race. A horse race. End. Horse. <laughs> a horse <laughs> race. Um, <laughs> uh, but we will playground. We will not find out until the season is over, and it is not over yet. And neither is this episode until we do. Our final impressions. How about let's start with Ben? What did you think of this episode? Um, I, I you know I don't think I was as big a fan of this episode as as, as some folks seem to be. I thought it was good uh, on the on the whole. Um, some of the the stuff with with Horace and the pregnancy and all that it all felt a little. You know, I understand that they had to set a stage in order for. Uh, 
for Sawyer and the team to sort of ingratiate themselves with with the uh, the Dharma Initiative, but a lot of it felt a little bit forced, to be honest. I didn't really believe Amy as a character at all, like just through the entire episode. I just I think that's what really got to me. I just something about her I didn't feel was genuine. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There was there was something there was something missing in this episode for me. The only the only kind of standouts to me in this episode were Juliet. Um, for the same reasons I said, you know, uh, why I gave her the top spot and, and plowed her. Um, she showed amazing sort of bandwidth. She can save lives. She can kill. She can fix an engine. She can do all of these things. And she does it all while being like steady and, and thoughtful and sweet and all that. So seeing her sort of continue to, to make her rise as one of the sort of preeminent characters in the show. Um, mm -hmm. The only and one of the questions that I had was because we see the we see the Ankh and then we see as they, they skip back through time or whatever. And they see the, you know, the, the statue of the Titan or whatever the fuck it is holding the Ankhs. Um, and then Horus freaks out when he finds the Ankh. We also have to remember that Horus though spelled differently is an Egyptian God. And I'm wondering oh, if there's a, nice some sort of tie in with a name there. Um, it's a God of, uh, I think Horus controlled the sun and the moon and life and fertility and a few other things like that. So I will um, answer that I'm exactly wondering if, for you at the end of season six, because we're going to do a whole episode uh, on names and their meanings because okay. the writers cool. were, yeah, very clever in the way they named things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I agree with you um, and all the Juliet yeah. stuff. Sorry. I thought you were done. No, that was, that's it. I'm done. Well, I agree with you on all of the Juliet stuff, but I disagree with you on the rest of it. I fucking love this episode. I think it's like an homage to Sawyer's growth. And, um, you know, not every character on here, like, has managed that. We meet them all when they're flawed. And I just think, like, seeing... Sawyer's emotional growth kind of culminate in what appears to be a healthy relationship with Juliet um, is a beautiful thing. And so I've always loved the episode for, for that reason. Um, but a few other things uh, that are huge uh, that always, that for me is like, whoa, is a uh, Wait, half of the people from the plane, or not half, but a few of the people from the plane apparently are in 1977? Like, what the fuck? And why is it the three of them? And so where is Sun and Saeed? Are they in 2007? Are they in 1977? How the fuck did this happen? Did Eloise Hawking know that this would happen? Or was this the unpredictable results that she talked about? Like, there's so mm. much uh, packed in into this episode that's not really said. Um, and so I, I love that uh, as well. Um, so She got I'm the calculation wrong fan. because the fulcrum knocked into her when she was making her calculations. <laughs> <laughs> You're still not over that. All right. Um, I'm not. Let's hear from Christy. I like this episode a lot. Um, I really love seeing Sawyer and Juliet finally become a couple. Um, I think that they're just such a great balance for each other. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's kind of cool to see that they're now in the 1970s. And yeah, you're right. How the fuck did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I liked it. It was good. 
All right. Dave, thank you again for being here. What did you think oh, of this episode? Yeah, so um, I, I agree with uh, Lacey. I think I can kind of see where Ben is coming from, where I feel like this episode maybe wasn't the most... Um, like psychologically deep that Lost ever gets, or like mm-hmm. you know, in terms of themes, it was it was pretty pretty run in the mill for Lost themes. You know, there was definitely some character development with Sawyer and all that. Having said that, I think it was just a very functionally good episode, and that it was it moved the plot forward very efficiently, but really great pacing. I thought mm-hmm. really great writing. I particularly liked the sort of one two between the two timelines. You know what I mean? Where they would set up something in one timeline and then sort of give it an echo in the other one, like. Mm-hmm. Paul dying in one versus Horace, like kind of being jealous of Paul's memory in the other one, or, yeah. you know, like setting up sort of Juliet and Sawyer's beginnings and where they ended up. I just like, I, I just super like competent episode writing. I the thought cohesive like, cause and effect sort of yeah, threads exactly. that they did mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I can see that. No, no wasted scenes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. full mm-hmm. circles on every sort of like mini narrative thread that they opened up, which I really yeah. appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I did have a question for you guys. You don't, you don't do the pre shows anymore, right? Um, well, we do, uh, but it's a season pre-show, mid-show, and post-show, because mm-hmm. um, okay. the other stuff, yeah. it just so there would, there it would... got too much. Yeah. Okay, so there wouldn't be one for this episode specifically. So maybe I will mm. put this to you guys now, because I feel like it might might have been a good question for back when you did them for each episode. But like, okay. I, I, I had a, I had a, like, a, I was wondering when Juliet and Sawyer are having that conversation on the dock, where she's like fully ready to just go and get off the island and live a life in 1974. Somehow. Like, would, you guys, would you guys be willing to do that? To like, to sort of, like if you're stuck in time and let's say, let's say you assume by staying on the island, there is some way back to your own time. But she was, she was willing to just start she again just with this new yeah. identity in a completely different like decade to what she grew up. And there's like really heavy implications to that. I feel like, would you guys be able to do that? Do you think? No. I think No. no. Well, if I could bring a sports almanac back with me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, there's always that. There's like, yeah, yeah, I know to invest in Apple computers and blah, blah, right. blah. Like, But mm. no, I think it would be one of those deals where if you went back to the – like if I went back to the 70s right now, I would be a, f- a fish out of fucking water. I think the biggest problem would be how would you have an identity? Like where would you get like a social security number from or a driver's license? Like I don't know – I suppose if you erase those practical problems, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I could see myself doing that. If I was a character on this show, though, I think I would just stay with the Dharma initiative like they eventually do, because it feels like that would be easier than having out. to navigate. Yeah. In, in a world that yeah. doesn't. Where you have no identity. Where you don't like, exist. Yeah. yeah, basically. Right. Like you're able yeah. to create an identity be three there. Three in nineteen seventy seven. Well. <laughs> Although in the in the seventies it probably would have been easier to create a new yeah, identity for yourself yeah. than it would be today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Mm. Yeah. I, I I always thought that like I, I agree with you guys, like it would be I think it would be quite distressing after a while to realize that I was stuck there. I haven't said that. I would love the opportunity to be a tourist in the 70s. Right. That's true. Amazing. If I had the option, I would like go back to the mainland for a little while and then like 
you know, take some pictures and then come back to the island. <laughs> I'd probably get yeah. into I'd get into the disco scene for I was a few just years. Say, until, go yeah. Until, yeah. I, yeah. until I ran. Go, yeah. go see the yeah. clash. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Go see Fleetwood Mac in the seventies. Yeah. yeah. Music yeah. music and fashion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd 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 fly planes and smoke cigarettes. I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna do all these things. But yeah, I think the novelty might wear off pretty quickly. I think I'd just stay on the island and wish for Fleetwood Mac in the magic box and bring them oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah just bring them there there you go and yeah i, I mean we, you and i wouldn't be able to have credit cards <clears throat> oh, so. well yeah that's true oof that's true, wow. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah um i don't know i think i think i'm with you dave i think i'd rather be like a tourist in the 70s and then just sort of make my way yeah. in the dharma initiative or join the hostels <laughs> i could do that too but yeah i think it'd be easier to stay on the island what would yeah. you do? Tourist for sure, Dave? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I think I think the idea of being stuck in that time with no connection to anyone and having to rebuild my life in a like let's face it, like a shittier time in a lot of ways yeah. would eventually begin to weigh heavy on me psychologically. And I would yeah, if I was in their situation, I would be like, Okay, back to the time travel island. If there's any way to get back to my time, it's there. Right. Yeah. Time travel island indeed. All right. Derek, close us out. What'd you think of Lafleur? Did it leave you with any new uh, questions? Yeah, I thought it was a, a good, a really good episode. I mean, the island has finally stopped time hopping, so we think. As of then, <laughs> and they're now in 1977 as members of the Dharma Initiative, thanks to Sawyer's Khan. So, and they've been on the island for three years, and then Jack and Jack and his crew, well, Jack and two of the others show up in 1977. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> so, yeah, here's some of my biggest questions. Uh, how did the plane that crashed in 2000, or that left in 2007 crash on the island in 1977? How are they going to get back from 1977? Are they just going to stay there? And what is that statue? What is that all about? Yeah. I could add to that as well. Where, yeah. is, where is Faraday in 1977? Because we haven't seen him. What do you mean? True he was that. in this episode. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, because in the back. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. 74 he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yes. That's true. We didn't see him. Conspicuously oh. absent. Yeah. Dan yeah. Faraday, scientist. But we know he was uh, there before all, a lot of this shit happened because we'd already seen him down in the mines. Right. Or down in the, where they were drilling. Is he in jail for touching up baby Charlotte? <laughs> no, he's actually oh. he married Charlotte. <laughs> Age you can sit on the island is zero. Uh-huh. Oh he touched God. baby Sean, and then Hor Horace got jealous. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> old enough to count, Thanks, old enough to mount. <laughs> I got to get him first. It's the Dharma Initiative, like, on Epstein's Island? Is that what, what's going on? Right. Oh, that's oh, where it God. is. Oh, God. All right, Derek. Were you finished here? <laughs> this episode's yes. so long. Um, did you have anything else to say about the episode? More questions or nah? That's it. Those were them. All right. Well, those were lovely questions, um, and a lot of that stuff is going to be answered. Uh, some is going to wait until next season, especially if we're talking about the statues. I think that's not till season six, but it's definitely not next week. Next week, season five, episode nine, it's called Namaste. And because we all know Ben <laughs> hates this word, it's going to be his episode. <laughs> 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 
I don't hate the word. I just don't trust anyone who uses it as a means of, of like, you know, what, whatever it is. If it's namaste, whatever it don't is. trust them. All right. So it's a Dharma Initiative episode and it's a Ben episode. And next week, we all join the Dharma Initiative and we find out maybe where some of our other survivors are in time. We'll see you then, guys. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, Dave, for being here. And Thank you for having me, folks, Thanks, as always. It was Thanks, great. Dave. If, if, uh, if your listeners want to retread the first uh, season and a half of Lost with a couple of Irish lads, lost the plot. <laughs> Do Check it. Awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Next week, namaste. Goodbye. Namaste. Bye. Goodbye. Lost in My 40s is a Space Bear Media production. Executive produced and edited by me, Lacey J. Sound engineering, editing, and original music by Benjamin Tremp. Like and follow Lost in My 40s on Facebook and Space Bear underscore media on Instagram and threads. Plus, follow Space Bear Media on YouTube for extra video content. Or, for everything in one place, go to spacebearmedia.com.